I love shows like this, Jim, when we are able to bring on fellow passionate people that are so passionate about whatever they do in the RPG arena that that they put it out there. I'm not going to introduce them yet. I'll let, let you introduce them, Jim. But but for those of those uh, who know me, maybe this is your first time watching the show. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG and lead writer on Captain's Log, which is um, the solo RPG uh, for Star Trek Adventures, the adaptation there. Uh, uh, hearing a lot of good things about that so far. Keep it going. I've never played with myself so much. That came out totally wrong. I've never played an RPG so much solo. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Johnson. <laughs> Jim Johnson. I don't want to follow that. Come on. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the Captain's Log, right here. Captain's Log solo RPG, book yeah. published by Medavius Entertainment. Co-host on this here show with Michael for now, anyway. Uh, all these many years, heading on toward episode 100, happening here pretty soon. Before you know it. And um, we're going to be talking all things Star Trek, Star Trek Adventures, and uh, life. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit of uh, RPGs as literature, too, because that's what my guests really talk a lot about, and I'm super excited about that. So without more ado, I'm uh, super excited to announce the two guests we have on tonight, Brad and Jason from the podcast Dice in Mind, uh, among many other things. So I want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. And uh, as is tradition on this here show, we also want you to fold into your introduction, uh, your favorite Star Trek series and your favorite Star Trek character. Now, no, normally we would ask for your favorite captain, but you know what? Now the Captain's Log is out and you can play literally any character you want in Star Trek. I think it's appropriate to open up the story story a little bit and say, well, who's your favorite Star Trek character? So, uh, Jason, you're bottom blow me. So, oh. clockwise, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go first? Hi, guys. Well, thank you so very, very much for having us. This is um, beyond a thrill. Um, uh, my favorite is, w without question, TNG. I mean, you know, I, 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 I cut my teeth. I grew up with the movies, but I'm TNG through and through. And you, Jim knows that in terms of a character, I actually have more favorite Star Trek characters now than I ever have before, but it still starts and ends for me with Captain Picard. It, it, there are others, but it really does. That's, that's the first one that comes to mind almost always. Very nice. And how about you tell us just a little bit about yourself too? Oh, uh, I not to I interrupt, but this has never been a question that he's had to pause about before. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I I have the good fortune of being Brad's friend, so that's pretty much my claim to fame. And in other areas, he's a luminary, um, <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, I, I mean, I geez, what do you want to know? Um, I you know, I I grew up I grew up with Trek. Um, obviously, Brad and I have the Dice and Mind podcast, which has been an inordinate amount of fun. Um. I, I'm not sure when this will drop, but I'm pretty sure by the time it does, our hundredth episode will have come out, which blows our minds. Um, I'm I'm a scientist and academic by background, um, and um, an increasingly an active writer, so that's a lot of fun. 
Mm, very nice. And uh, he is uh, too modest to say it, but we will also make sure that we flog to death this new book that you've just released called Leadership in Star Trek, Lessons from the Captain's Chair by uh, Jason Kaufman and Aaron Peterson. And uh, I have my order, my copy on order, waiting for it to arrive. So That's I will look awesome. forward to talking to you at length about it when it finally hits. Thanks. So, uh, Brad, tell us a little bit about yourself and then your uh, favorite series and favorite character. Yeah, my favorite color is blue. I love long walks on the beach. <laughs> no. um, so Brad Brown, Jason, and I started our Dice of Mind podcast back in April. Well, we first did our first episode was April 21. We had spent a number of months planning it out beforehand. Um, I've known Jason since 1992 from our freshman year of college. I originally went to college to be a musician, um, be a classical musician. Um, decided that I didn't necessarily want to do that as a job, ended up going into business um, and in technology. And um, that's where I've kind of resided for for 27 years. And um, yeah, jokes jokes aside, Jason and I, you know, I only lasted at our, our freshman college for a year um, before I moved. But um, interestingly enough, my closest group of friends, we were just talking about my wedding as, as a side thing. Yeah. They all came from that one year that I was there. Um, and uh, favorite captain or favorite character, well, favorite show is DS9. We've taught, you know, DS9 hands down. I love the other shows. Um, favorite character, um, I'm going to go with three. I'm going to start with, first of all, uh, Benjamin Sisko, hands down. Favorite captain, favorite character. Um, I would say um, Martok, ironically, as a Klingon. I loved him. Um, I love his character. And then if I go to TNG, it would probably be Will Riker. Um, mm. I just like how he has he has kind of that dashing swashbuckler type of vibe coming from him. And I much, grew up on the much, movies, too. Much like you, really. Oh, yeah, because that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone would agree, too, as yeah. I cower. So, but yeah, I did, thank you. I did notice as we started the interview how you got into the chair. I was like, oh, that's so Will Riker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hops yep. right over. Hops right over. <laughs> but no, thank you both for having us. This is, you know, Jason and I have been listening for quite a while. Um, Jim's been gracious enough to join us on our show. Michael, you're going to join us on our show. Really excited. So, um, we're really excited for it. And thank you again for having us. Yes. Can you talk to us about the show too. Um, so people maybe who've never heard of Dice in Mind, give us a preview. Yeah, I think um, the onus behind it originally was um, Jason and I had wanted to and I had wanted to do something together for a while. We thought about doing mm -hmm. some writing, mm -hmm. but our our academic areas didn't really cross. Um, so and I think, Jason, you're the one that brought up the idea of a podcast. And this was toward the end of 2020, 2020. when we were mm -hmm. all sitting at home. Mm -hmm. um, and so we spent a number of months talking about what we wanted it to be and what was yeah. the vibe. And I'll be honest, we, I don't think we've ever come out and said it, but we kind of wanted to have like an NPR vibe to the show um, nice, <clears throat> nice. and talk about, and originally it was just going to be him and I vamping. Yeah. And, yeah. and then um, we had the good fortune of having a couple guests on the show and it's kind of parlayed itself. And then, you know, we had this list. We were both Mac users. We used notes. We have this little list of the people that we wanted to get connected on. And we started following Twitter. And I'm like, there's that guy who's the project manager for Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. And this was like third episode or something. Like at some I point. Mean, what we a got, sucker. 
yeah, yeah we've got to get him on <laughs> so so yeah that's i mean so our show is um we meet and talk with folks whether it's star trek or others we bring in creatives are unique we had um mm-hmm. katie nicola who's a meteorologist and a star trek fan yeah um we've had people from different publishing companies we've had um mm-hmm. mus- musicians and composers we're just very lucky we go out and we try to find oh, people that interest yeah. each of us and we yep. think might interest others Jason. we 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 don't know why and this goes for you too jim uh, we don't know why honestly anyone is willing to talk to us and i'm not making a joke brad and i talk about this almost every time we record an interview we never thought we were going to move into an interview format and it's like 99 percent interview and honestly it's purely selfish guys like we we try to we reach out and try to talk to the people we really would love to talk to and learn from wherever they want to go, right? It's never fan service. It's just, we just want to know, like, like hear about it, tell us your stories. And um, people have been ridiculously gracious. And we're hoping that along the way, others are also interested in these people, in these experiences and the ideas. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a labor of love, I think for both of us. And it's just a pure joy. Yeah, and we've we've been very lucky, um, like like Jason said, and I think what we've learned again, it's very self serving. What we've learned, you know, meeting both of you and meeting all these other people is this is such a phenomenally inclusive community, and for the most part, friendly, caring towards others. Oh yeah, um, you know, which is what we had hoped. We we didn't expect how inclusive, and I mean that in so many different ways. Uh-huh. It was. And one of the things we'll talk about at some point is one of, you know, Jason and I are both voracious readers, him probably more than me. Um, and the idea, I think I talked to him about it a while back where I'm like, I used to buy RPG books just to read them. I started buying the Star Trek adventure stuff to read it because I didn't have anyone yep. to game it with me. Yeah. So I would sit and read those. So this idea of RPG as lit um, has been permeating with us throughout the whole process sorry i'm talking too much and then i'll be quiet but, but, but i just wanted we... to bring that up because jim had such a yep. poker face when we were talking about this because you knew about Captain. oh my Log god i don't know and, how and and couldn't say anything yeah. and we were just expounding this idea of writing and rpg is lit and he didn't even jim's smile. like yeah that's a good idea you were building yeah. his confidence up you were building yeah. his but you know it was also off air one of those times with you jim that we were we had mentioned like rpg is lit and we thought it was a really like dumb idea like we're just into this but obviously it's ridiculous and you're like no that's a thing and there's an interest there's an audience and i remember we hung up with you and we were like okay i've I don't remember the last time, to be honest. I, I mean, I'm, I'm 49. I don't remember the last time I've sought validation. I don't remember that. But uh-huh. we both felt so validated, like, oh, this is legit. Maybe we should actually try to talk to people about this. And it just, and then of course you guys came out with this and it's yeah. like, oh my God, it's, it's like you wrote it to us and all the others who just want to read and play and read and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that that was uh 
I mean, I mean, for me, it was hard to to keep that straight face, knowing that we were talking exactly what we were work, working on at the time, and uh, it just it worked out great. So I, I just I love the fact that you. I don't know why you keep coming, having me come back, but I will say that you guys are some of the best interviewers out there. Well, thank doing you. Podcasts. You you ask great questions. You're very thoughtful. Both of you are very thoughtful in what you do, and and you make it easy to talk to. Right? Like you're so conversational. And it's like you've just invited me or your other guests into your house, and we're just sitting, kicking around the couch and the dinner table or whatever with a you know, couple of uh, you know tea or drinks or whatever, and we're just chatting, and and that makes it so accessible, right? Like it's so easy to pull up pull up one of your shows when I'm working on my day job or I'm working on the show or something. I'll just put some of your stuff on in the background and just learn Thanks. whatever whoever you're talking to. There's always something cool to to learn. And uh, I have to admit, though, that 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 interview you did with the meteorologist was probably my favorite. Uh, she had some <laughs> so great, she had some great fun. stories. Katie's great. Some great stories. Yeah, Katie was amazing. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, the other ones that you've done too. I mean, I, I try to listen to everything uh, when I can. But really uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah. I hope you keep. I mean, I, I oh, it's funny that you're almost up to a hundred, and we're almost up to a hundred. That's just kind of a weird commonality between the two shows. Yeah, this is episode one hundred and two for us by the time oh, it okay. airs. Yes, we we just recorded one hundred and four out of sequence, <laughs> and we have to backfill o two and o three. That's what we're doing. We're actually out of sequence here too. That's so funny. That's great. Oh, what a small world. <laughs> I guess we started at the same time during the pandemic because um, yeah, for those I, I we talk about it, but. Jim and I, we had started on something called STA Engage with Jeff Harvey, who's our producer. He edits our show. Uh, Jeff had some scheduling conflicts. And so Jim and I picked up at the release of the Game Master's Guide. And we said, we don't know how long this is going to last. And now here we are. So I think I think the universe was ripe for creatives in this space. I talk about it a lot with Jim. And uh, you know, I'll talk during my gratitude segment uh, at the end that we do our gratitude segment about all the people who've kind of been birthed from the pandemic and now have these amazing niche podcasts that are that because of hard work and dedication are picking up a following. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens with dedication. So I'm really happy that, you know, I've been following you all. I can't remember the first time I heard an episode. It probably was Jim Johnson's actually very first episode I've listened to when he was on. Um, so what you said that was number three. Uh, no, no, 30. I think it was like 30. 30? Like okay, yeah, 30. We well it, it honestly yeah. took a little while for us, for me especially, yeah. to gather up the courage to, to message and say, hey, would you be willing to come on a podcast that maybe three people listen to? Oh, we talked um, about it for months beforehand. Yeah. Um, and and I had been, I was on the pre-order for when the first, when the original <laughs> core rulebook came out for STA. Mm -hmm. So I have, I have. You know, Jason and I have talked about. I don't know why you're laughing. I know why, guys, because you're. Cause you're uh, you could have just stopped when you said I'm on the pre-order list. That could have been the entire discussion. Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Make fun. Poke a guy while he's down. But yeah. um, I do. You know, and the and what's interesting, it'll probably Michael happen with you too. When we record with Jim, there's usually a good half an hour before and oh. X amount of time. After. I tell my my wife I'm coming to bed late. Yeah, yeah, see, I don't waste. See, I don't waste material on the ground like film. I just hit record because I get <laughs> mad when I don't when I'm talking to Jim. And so that's why we learn to call it. We literally continue the conversation. I we get yes. on. I hit record because yes. I've missed too much gold when I haven't hit record right away. Yeah, we we've only time we've missed gold is when Jason actually deleted an episode, but. Fortunately, not one of Jim's. No, no. Great episode, I'm just, too. I'm just never going to, yeah. you're never going to live that down. And well-deserved. Yeah. Yep. You guys, you guys are too much. <laughs> anyway, so let's uh, let's talk about Star Trek. 
<laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you've had so many great guests on your show and, and like the commonality, of course, is Star Trek, right? Cause you, we we're, we're just expanding the family and we're expanding, you know, we're getting to touch all these different people. And by interviewing them, like I mean, us interviewing people and you two interviewing people, uh, we're just collectively giving fans more insights, right? It's like, I remember way back in the day when the, um, when the when the next generation technical manual came out right when oh. uh, you know akuto and sturbach did that thing the thing i loved i mean first i was a techno geek so i loved all the technical details that they put into that especially because i was playing a role-playing game at the time and my entire group were like oh this is like the bible this is like mecca this is like yep. the, yep. the 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 book to, to use for for our role-playing um but i discovered what i liked more were all the footnotes were all the little inside bits and tips and tricks and like all the inside inf insider information that was folded in there. I was like, oh, this is what I want. I want to hear the stories behind the scenes, right? About all these, yeah, nice. about the technology and the characters and the people involved in making it. And that's what excited me. And then over the years, as technology got better and we got to interview more people, you know, we had to read more interviews and more books came out about the behind the scenes stuff. I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool because now we're getting to see the personalities behind the screen that are making the show, the writers, the producers, the directors, the art people, all that stuff. And and like we're getting to do that now, like our show and your show. You're interviewing these people who are either super fans who have a Star Trek story to tell or they're actually you know people on the production in some format or another that have their own stories to tell. And as a like a lifelong Star Trek fan, this is this is awesome for me because it's like, oh, I get to learn all these new stories about this mm -hmm. the whole franchise. And it adds so much more texture to it that I really appreciate that. So I was just wondering, I'm, I'm finally getting to my question. Um, like like what what keeps you going? Like you you're you're doing a hundred plus episodes now. Like what what keeps you going? Why why do you keep doing it? Those are two Jeez. separate questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, caffeine for the – no, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you I, – I don't know how you stay up like you stay up. I, I will hang up with you, and you're like, I'm going to go, like, play something or watch something for the next three hours. I'm like, my bedtime was an hour and a half ago. Um, uh, that's entirely true. Um, how do we keep going? You know, I think we learned the hard way, and Brad and I have joked about this. Like, like we – when we started the podcast, we – thought okay we'll just do it for a while once a month and see what happens because it actually came out of the desire we just wanted to play and we weren't and we thought maybe this will get us closer and then as things were picking up and we discovered people were willing to talk with us it was like we could do this every week and that was tenable for i mean my god i mean like michael you wrangling all of this you you must go nuts sometimes with this especially with the production quality on this it was it got to be too much. We were no. I mean, I mean that. Uh, I laugh. It, it, I, I sorry. I, I keep going. There, we'll talk. I'll give it okay, to you. No, later. I, I want to hear that. Yeah. Um. But it just it it we what bread like we probably ran for the better part of a year. Well, no, more than that. Where year and a half. Year and a half. And at some point, between our schedules, you know, we both we both have families. Um, and and between that and work, it was and we were always making time for this. We were just really struggling to keep up. And then it was like we got to a point and, and we realized we're not playing at all. And we really wanted to play STA, honestly, which is what like what helped to convince us like we have these books, we talk to you, we we have these ideas and 
we're not doing it and we're kind of burning out. So we backed off the t- every other week. Sorry, you, you asked a long question so I can give you a long answer. Um, and so it took a while. It really took a while to find our footing. And then we kept going nuts with interviews. So we were only dropping an episode. So we, I like, I only had to produce every other week, but people kept saying yes. And we, we would think, okay, obviously like, people are going to say no. And so, I mean, what Brad, we were at a, one point, we were like f- easily five or six interviews in the hopper recorded. And like, I, I'm a pretty laid back guy, I think, but I was like this last summer, I was like, okay, we have to finish these episodes. This is really starting to bother me. Like I'm going away for a week or two and we have four interviews and they're just sitting there. So, I mean, Jason, you're not alone. Okay, we're, we're, we're recording this on August 28th. And just so you know, we're, we're recording this on August 28th. We yep. have scheduling all the way out to January 26th. We're only through October 30. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I want to, and I, again, talking about the community and then myself and Jim, by now, it would have been two weeks since we aired our live stream of the well no by the time this airs it would have been over a month and a half when we aired our live stream of our 100th yeah, episode yeah. um but jim and i it's like we have this what do you call it something embarrassment of riches yeah, where right. we're like oh we have so many people who are willing to come on and in two hours we can't fit them all and it's it's a good problem to have i guess mm-hmm. but Again, the fact that we have this community of Star Trek people who want, who's rooting everyone to be successful is just a nice, nice thing. It's humbling to be, to be transparent. It is, I mean, again, Brad and I, we've talked, God, we've talked about this a lot. It is nothing short of humbling that some of these people will, will waste their time. I mean, they don't, they don't know us, right? Um, the, the, the ones who are diligent, they'll check out an episode or two, which is really, really lovely. And they'll just they'll just talk and they'll, and, and it's just, I mean, these are busy, super creative people, which we are not right. Busy, maybe super creative. No. And they'll just talk and, and they'll talk about whatever. And it's just, yeah, it blows the mind. It is a very good problem to have, but we're learning. Like we've, we've learned, like I've, I've stopped myself from reaching out to at least three people in the past two weeks. And, and I almost texted you a couple of times, Brad, like, okay, okay, never mind. And then I don't, then I delete the text because it's just not healthy. And we, and Jason, I mean, we, you know, Jason, his brother are like my brothers. And so we talk multiple times per day, even beyond the podcast. Yeah, we're talking all the time. And I think, I think that's the podcast in many ways is our conversations that we would have on the phone or on FaceTime. Um, We've been lucky. I, like we talked about Katie before we've had Dr. Aaron McDonald on. I mean, I could go down the list of people. So cool. You, she, you guys did too. Yeah. yeah. She was, I mean, and, and I, what, and I can say this, she's the one who person. came to us and said at the end, cause we both have daughters who are looking yeah. at career STEM careers. And mm-hmm. she goes, if they ever want to talk to someone, let me know. I'll talk with them. I mean, it was literally wow. like, here's, here's my number. Wow. Yeah. Let, let them know. I mean, that's right. But that's Star Trek to your point before Mike, yeah. like that's, that's Star Trek. And I will say, I think we've to our surprise consistently, we have encountered that with, See, hundred some episodes. We have encountered that with better than ninety five percent. Well, yeah, almost ninety nine percent of everyone we've talked to in RPG land or adjacent, no matter how far you go out, in and out of Star Trek, they've been like that. But but when it comes to Star Trek, I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah, like everybody gets it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 amazing to see that. 
yeah, absolutely. For those who don't know, in case it's the first time and you all have mentioned it right now, talk to me about RPGs literature. Say it's, say someone just stumbled onto this podcast and they heard you use that term. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's there's multiple facets to it too, because it's something as simple as like I said, I'm treating the materials that come out, the books. I look at that. We we talked about this, I think Jim, we may have talked about this on a previous episode. The quality of the book, the quality of the paper you know, what it looks like inside, reading it as a book, or when companies come out with these products that teach you how to write through a playing of a game, hint, hint, um, all of a sudden now, those of us who aren't writers, I'm not, you know, I come from a technical career, I can write technical documents, I can write business proposals. I've never been, I haven't been a creative writer probably since I was 10. Um, and now I have a book that lets me creatively help me and guide me to creatively write and write fan fiction. And so that's the other, that's another part of RPG as literature or in effect treating RPG as an engine to generate lit. Jason, I don't know if I, if I, where I, I might. Oh, I have... think, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly it. Just everything you said. Yeah. And I, you know, I've I've talked about this with with other games. I mean, I've said I would love to see at some point, um, even other Modifius games, and all I pick up on this idea of doing this. I think you know we've talked, we even talked in 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 X, formerly known as Twitter chat, about um, other companies that have solo type engines. Um, they are they're great product. They teach you how to take the multiplayer rules and kind of slim them down to play. Your writing is in effect. What no one really says is your writing. Now you have a book. And ironically, since my I know my wife doesn't listen to anything Star Trek, I can say honestly that I actually bought two copies of the, the technical manual. The DS9 copy is perfectly, or of the, the Captain's, Captain's Log. Log, One yeah. copy is put away on my shelf. I'm using the TNG copy because the DS9 copy must remain unfettered. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, I can't do this right now with other products. I don't have a guide for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and as someone who isn't a fiction writer, I now have a guide to write in a universe that I grew up. I was, I'm old enough that, that I went and saw motion picture when it came out, I was really young and I wasn't allowed to go see Khan because Spock died and they thought that would be traumatic for me. Mm. So, um, now I can write in those worlds. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I, you know, we didn't want to sound too patronizing when, when Jim, you dropped, you dropped it on us, but I mean, we were both. Oh my God. We talked yeah. about nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Michael yeah. hats off. Cause I mean, yeah. this thing is a work of, of well, art. Oh, thank you. Well, let's talk more about that because I, I, again, when Jim and Jason, I want to hear your takes on, on Star Trek's literature, because I know I've been watching with great enthusiasm, the reaction happening online um and i love art i'm a i love art i love science i love art I, I love steam so i'm curious with jason and jim again when you think of rpg's literature what is opening up like where do you think this is going to open up going forward i i mean god michael i don't i don't think i have a good answer for that i i i don't know what it's going to open up i i think to what brad said i hope i hope i would like to see more 
of this type of thing like to echo what, what you said brett like with captain's log being an example of this is how to do it not just like oh here's a novel idea because this certainly leapfrogs what's out there but like and by the way how to do it really really well it would be fascinating it would be fascinating to see something like captain's log in other ips um like i mean i would I would love to see something like this. Are we allowed to say Star Wars here? I would love to see something like that here, but I would also like selfishly love to see like more of this derivations that would further help us explore through writing more of Star Trek, right? I mean, I think really serious like hats off in terms of the the scope of yeah. Trek in the book. Like, I mean, we've talked about this with you, Jim, in, in interviews, both on and offline, in terms of how with STA and what you're all producing, every, I mean, truly every book has been an iteration and and the scope has grown, like the reach into and beyond canon has grown. There's so much more to play with. Um, I think though, so like I can pick up something like like Captain's Log or or some of the others, and it's like if I if I want to dream in Star Trek, these are now primary resources for me. And like back in the day, I wish they still came out. But like as a kid, slash adolescent, slash young adult, slash until they stop publishing them, um, I mean I would get the encyclopedias, right? I would get the Planets of the UFP. I would get get the computer one, which is hilarious and dated and lovely. You know, I have the star charts, all of that because I wanted to immerse myself. But at this point in life, I, I don't want to just consume, I want to create. And so I think that's where the yeah. literature piece comes in, right, for me. And I say that really naively, because I'm, I'm, whatever, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't write fiction, per se, but like, like Brad and I are writing a little bit of fanfic now, courtesy of Captain's Log. And it's a way for us to get in there. Like when this came out, it was like, we looked at each other and it's like, when you, when Jim sent us a PDF and it's like, we can do it now. Like we know what we want to do. We've been, we've known what we wanted to do for two years. We didn't have the skill set, and this allowed us to start to, to learn it. So to me, that's the lit. And if I could say testament to you, Mike and all that, because the material is also very accessible. It's the um, team. I want to. I want to say. Okay. I was only the lead well, to writer. To both of you, to both of you, and everyone. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I want to be clear. There's like ten writers on this and five rule designers. So I want to make sure you understand. I I just was wrangling and doing Jim's job, which I I don't think I could ever do again. Honestly, <laughs> it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But um, I just want to keep saying that that there was a lot of confabs with the front page of the book. Look at all those names in there: Josh Allen, Allison Sive, uh, Al Spader, Aaron Paul. Yeah, there's a lot of so. Yeah, all I did was point, but people did the work. And we've we've talked to some of them, and we're scheduled to talk to more. So like we, they're awesome. I mean, you guys have an amazing. Team. I think you're still being too humble because lead writers, come on. But you guys have an amazing team. You have an amazing set of writers mm. on STA, and it just it's and they're all just really nice people. That or we just haven't met the duds yet, but they seem we to only be work with nice people. That's that's Jim. <laughs> Jim Jim doesn't have many no, requirements, seriously. but he does demand nice. Jim, uh, Star Trek is ST or uh, uh, RPG is literature. I'm again, I'm trying to, I'm this is a new term for me. Like, I'm trying to wrap my head what that means because I'm I'm big into like making sure children learn to be creative. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I when we were working on this, I was like, man, could a kid, could a teacher use this in class to teach writing? You know, uh, Jim, what's your take on it? 
yeah. Well, you know, I think, um, and I, I know that you know uh, Jason and, and Brad and I have talked to this a little bit on some of the shows that we've done. Um, but like, you know, back in the day, you know, '80s when D and D first came out, and then you had Star Frontiers, and you had some other games that were coming out. They were they were more technical manuals than they were like actual like storytelling games, right? Like, there was a lot of information in there about mechanically how to play the game, how to run the game, how to create a character, how to do encounters, how to do all that stuff, and there was just enough like setting and world building and stuff in there that that a game master and a player could could you know go from there and of course there was a steady stream of modules and stuff coming out that you could kind of fill in the blanks and then just kind of make it work for yourself but over time like as more rpg companies came out and more products came out and more game lines came out i think especially like um uh like white wolf uh when uh, vampire came out and werewolf and uh, some of their games there was much more of a storytelling slant to those and and you can see it in the books right like it, most of their books started with a big chunk of fiction um that was written in their setting in their milieu so you kind of got a feel for like how does a vampire story work like how does it what's the feel that what's the vibe that you're trying to get from it and you could use that as as a um, influence into the game that you wanted to tell whether it was vampire werewolf or mage or whatever it was and uh, and that you know me kind of being a novice storyteller at the time and a writer and a gamer um i was like oh oh you can you can do more with rpgs than just you know slash and hack and slash and bash and grab xp and gold not that there's anything wrong with that but i mean I, like i've gotten plenty of years of joy out of uh of playing the DD mode in games but by and large my DD campaigns have never been super storytelling i mean until later in life when like i mean i really like fourth edition because it really unlocked my creativity and ways that some of the other DD editions didn't but that's beside the point um but so there's that right so it's like i've seen the rpg industry kind of move a little bit more toward storytelling and and the books being more not just technical manuals but also getting a lot more world building and storytelling stuff in into it right um and then now with you know as as technology advanced and as publishing advanced and things got better and easier and cheaper to do you started seeing like premium products come out with like beautiful covers and beautiful paper and and uh, uh bookmarks and just like the overall production value of books went up and so now they're not just you know reference books or, or technical manuals they're actually i don't want to say heirloom but like there are some pricey rpg books out there and you get them and you're very careful with them not to not to split the covers or whatever and they are they are precious ob precious objects in and of themselves in addition to being a game mm -hmm. and what i really appreciate is like some of those things are available on pdf now so you can get the pdf and tear that apart and use that as your reference tool and you just can't safely put that book on the shelf and just you know leave it alone in fact uh, you know one good two good two good examples i'll give you is uh the uh, the pendragon uh the great pendragon campaign that greg stafford wrote it's like 400 pages is a beautiful beautiful tome of of arthurian legend from from the beginning to the end and there's like, you know, years and years and years of gaming potential in that. And I love it because there's just so much literature in it and just so much, you know, historical material. And then the other one is the uh, the most recent uh, edition of the One Ring RPG that Free League came out with, with the red cover and the gold uh, the gold trim. I mean, it's just a beautiful book. And I don't want to open it because it's like, oh, it's a beautiful book. I, and I it, it was well written and well designed and like the production values are absolutely there and it's like don't I forget the dune one the dune one knocked me off well, i don't have the dune one you'll have did to you talk get about it michael one. did you get a copy of, did i read that you got a copy of the you really did, limited yeah. cool looking version of it mm -hmm. yeah i saw that on twitter yeah, so, oh, so so people, my family keeps coming in the house thinking it's a bible i'm like no this is the dune rpg book. well that's acceptable <laughs> <laughs> 
but anyway so my, my my long-winded point is that is that you know over time rpg books have become something more than just games right especially with the pandemic now because a lot of people are not able to get together with friends uh either face-to-face -face or online to game i think one of the most common problems that gamers have is finding other gamers to play the games with um at all uh so you see so you see that happening so like sometimes people are collecting rpgs just for the sake of reading them and enjoying them and i think certain rpg designers and companies have realized that and have started morphing what they put into their rpg books so that it's not just here's how to create a character here's how to create a scenario here's how to play the game it's actually more world building more character more fluff as you as you call it so that it's a more balanced book and you're like oh yeah i could just read this and enjoy the read and then put it on my shelf and you know go on to something else um so i think i think it's just an evolution of the of the hobby to some extent uh but in specific to like you know solo rpgs i think solo rpgs are really really more oriented toward playing games alone and i think i mean every single one i've picked up is a journaling game to some degree i think um i've heard some people knock captain's log because it's a journaling game it's like well of course there's a journaling game it's a solo rpg why what else would it be like you know all the other ones that i've played like uh you know ironstorm starforged and uh five was it not five leagues uh uh um five parsecs um and then there's a few other ones it's like these are all journaling games that like you have to play the game and you're playing the game and as you're playing the game you're writing down the stuff that happens so i like that might just be me and no it. it's not just you because remember the other day we were all stunned because someone had actually asked is this supposed am i supposed to play this solo rpg by myself and yeah. literally the whole social media feed stopped for probably <laughs> a good 20 minutes as everyone reread the question and make sure we were not making assumptions you, you could hear the records the record scratch right <laughs> Like but you know what's funny is is that Jason and I use this. We duet it, but we're using the solo RPG rules because we're writing. This is Jim and I do. Yeah, we're yeah, writing nice. our story together. Mm -hmm. So you know it's and I've watched the you know the feed out and Reddit and all that and people talking very positively about it. Um, it's not even it. It goes beyond. It's almost like a creative writing resource manual if you want to write yeah. in the mm -hmm. Trek world. Mm -hmm. Toward that end, if you all do want to put out a dedicated Captain's Log journal to aid in the process, neither <laughs> of us would be opposed and we'd be happy to pre-order. You mean like a, like a blank book? Yeah, I mean, you know. Or, it's, with like cheats in it or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that would be pretty... I think we've talked you, about this. You yeah. got something like that for the Dune game, right? Yeah, yeah. I, picked, yeah. I picked up a couple of the Dune journals yeah. and I've been a Dune collector because I'm a Dune fan. But oh. but I mean, I, I don't... I use... I have a, I have a, I have a blurred, yes, but I have it. these, these, oh, yeah. and I use these as my, I have one dedicated to uh, Captain's Log, and mm -hmm. I even went so far as to buy a set of Kirk's, what is it, Kirk's Tunix dice? Oh, oh yeah. Smart move. You got, you got to have these, man. These are yeah. like gold. Those are my, those are my dedicated Captain's Log dice. Nice. So I've, I've got they, my science blue. Yeah. I have, I have a question for you all too, because I know we, we actually want to talk about you more than <laughs> talking about our product. There, there, there's actually a, a question I have because I, you know, we're looking through the podcast and listening to the podcast. You both are doing a great job, not just talking about, oh, here's the game, here's the storyline of the game, but you're actually get, getting it with a lot of the game designers. So I kind of want to get in your head about that space, what you see happening out there, what some of your favorite moments with game designers have been you know stories that stand out talk to us about the game design element the crunchy stuff i'm going to talk about one jason and because okay 
one of the first games that we started kind of playing and, and goofing around with before the podcast even became a thought in our head was Pathfinder. And Jason had been playing um, in the Star Wars world, playing that's, a, that's all I knew at the time. Up until so years ago. I picked up the Genesis material. And I'm like, oh, this is a sandbox. You know, Chase, what we should do is we should write a Star Trek game using I, this I was Genesis. Thinking about this this evening. <laughs> and and we we talked about this. I think we were dumb enough to mention it to Jim in off, one of the first podcasts. Off air, off air. I, I was thinking, I got it. He most people would have been like, you know, sit down, let me tell you something. And we're like, we love the game. We're totally into Star Trek. This whole 2D20 thing hard pass we're just gonna write our own mechanic with the genesis dice and 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 jim you i mean so few people would have done this you were like okay that's fair you know but maybe maybe give it a chance and you would like chip at that like when we talked to you it was just the gentlest of nudges right and then and then we finally sat down to play we're like okay we we seriously have to like just sit down and play this game we have to make the time and we got into it it's like oh my god this is such a good mechanic and oh boy were we so stupid oh um, oh i think we both, i did the like, same i did the okay same. good good yeah. not, not stupid. no not but, stupid. but yeah, you know stupid. just this goes back to what we said before is is in talking with folks like you know thomas maroney james oh, sutter all right, of these folks right who have were like thomas became the most popular person in star trek yeah like right before thank god because i'm a i'm a player of star trek online and so when i got to see him i was like ooh. but we again are talking to people that i always i always verse it to jason i'm like these are normally people that i would not be able to strike up a conversation with um i wouldn't know how to um you know hey tell me about you know tell me about I guess I could, but if I, we always had thought the the podcast was a vehicle for us to actually bring a little bit of legitimacy to a self-serving need to want yeah, to talk yeah. to all these people that create. But you found the key to good relationships though. Remember the key to good relationships is getting the other person to talk about themselves. So you're again, Jim, commending your interviewing skills. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And honestly, uh, what's weird is I'm an introvert. I get very, and me and Jim have talked about this. I get really bad stage, right? Though I do it, my job puts me in front of people on stage all the time. But the reason I like this format, because I'm able to just have, it feels personal, like we're around the dinner table and I can just keep plowing you guys with questions. So that's, I think, uh, you know, Jason and Brad, that's, I think, what makes you good interviewers is you actually sit there and just are curious about the person and it draws out the best in them. It. I have found not to be a modest, but through experience, one, being clinically trained definitely helps. Two, being married for a long time definitely helps. I know how to listen. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if she'd agree with that, but probably um, not, but never but, enough. Yeah, no, never <laughs> but, enough. You know, That's nailed it. Yeah. Never. Enough. We have, I yeah. think by the time this comes out, our hundredth episode is out. We, we have Drew Nichols on who was associate producer and, and editor he was the for Star editor. Trek Parker, for Star Trek Picard. Very um, nice. For for season three, including yeah. uh, there was wow. Eps nine and ten, and oh, yeah. it just and it he was yeah. and, and he oh, came up. God. He goes, I don't know why you'd want to talk to me. What do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, obviously we want to talk about Star Trek, but yeah. I mean, he was involved in working with Terry Metalis before Picard, before yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. He was involved in Twelve Monkeys and all this other stuff. Yeah, fascinating story. And he's like, well, how do you want to do it? And and I'm like, think of it, Jim. You said this before. Think of it 
as we're just going to sit down, have your coffee or whatever your beverage of choice yep. is, mm-hmm. and let's just chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I've, I've, I'm not, I'm an introverted guy. I, this, a lot of times my chattiness is a defense mechanism. Um, but, you know, sitting down and talking to people like that, or, and I, I don't want to, by not naming someone off, I don't want to minimize them, but like having um, Nami Nalumad, who was the composer oh, for oh, Star Trek and- Prodigy and Star Trek strange new world she actually when we when we interviewed her she, she took was a like, sip of coffee and and i it was kind of on purpose and it kind of wasn't it was very sweet at the she's just god she was just so sweet and and she takes this with coffee and it's like the strange new world's mug which did not exist beyond the production crew yeah. and so at, you were you you were so good brad after we we stopped the recording brad's like so the mug and she's like yeah <laughs> so just so just cool. talking to these people well if um, i if i made a case in point just because um again we're we're biased I, we've talked people like, like you guys people have been so genuine and so kind and such seemingly good people and interesting people um laurie elster uh with trekmovie.com right um uh she came on some time ago now some time ago now um and then she's just she's just a deeply good person. I'm biased because she, she helped me with some, with some networking and um, in that, in that world and um, in their bits of the week at the end of one of their, uh, the, their all access podcast, which is like, for me, that's every Friday listening because they do the best roundup of what's going on, like canon wise and, and like what, you know, the production and all that is fascinating. And uh, she, her bit of the week was she mentioned that she had spoken with us on the podcast and what surprised her was we never really asked about Star Trek. We just talked about her. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, so we were thrilled like that our guests are picking up on that. But that's like, that's why we want to talk to people because they're interesting. And they're, and we learn something every single time. Every single time. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Fascinating stuff. So let's, 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 let's steer the conversation back just a little bit toward game mechanics. And, um, what, what, and you actually got to where... I was I, I was I was actually texting Michael and said I have a question a follow up question for for them on your question, uh, but you actually got to it before I did, uh, and that's when you were when I first met you guys when we did that first episode. I remember you were you guys were working really hard, kind of like on your own time to to develop some sort of rule system for the game that you wanted to play, and um, I, I remember having watched some of your earlier episodes. You're like, oh yeah, Star Trek Adventures 2D20, yeah, whatever. We don't really like the system. We're going to make our own system because you know you're creative and that's what you want to do. And I was like, eh, okay. I mean, clearly you hadn't you hadn't tried it yet. You hadn't played it yet, which is okay. Uh, but like, did you did you read the quick start? Did you did you try it? But but um, what I was really curious about though is, is like you have had conversations with so many um, game designers, game developers, mechanics, etc. Like, like, what are you seeing happening with uh, mechanics in general with RPGs? And um, so let's, uh, let's let's stop there. I'll just go with that question. Like, what, what are you what are you seeing in, in terms of mechanics that that excites you to want to to want to play? I think you hit it when you talked about this idea of how games are becoming more narrative. Mm-hmm. You think of like Fate or Savage Worlds or some of these games that are really story driven and. I think what Jason and I learned, Jason and I, in our own different ways, are analytical. We like, Jason does a lot of research, works with numbers and things. I work in analytics. Um, so numbers and dice mechanics were one of the things we wanted to talk about. But it, it 
much like the podcast, the story morphed when we realized there was so much more than just rolling a die, rolling a die or rolling dice. Um, you see this coming out. I have Forbidden Lands, as for example, it's through Modifius is, is via Modifius part of their website. Um, just that and these other games, the dice are there to kind of help reinforce decisions. And you can see that when you watch live plays. I think the live plays now versus what you saw a couple of years ago, where it was a lot of dice rolling um, and a lot of like kind of choose your own adventure analytical. Now you watch these and this almost goes to like visual lit. You watch these Twitch streams or whatever. And these people are telling stories that are compelling and you can sit and watch those Twitch streams, even with them up on the screen, like we are all up here on, on, our, on ours and watch a really cool story. And I think that's maybe more broad than maybe you were, talking about Jim but um we became originally we were really focused on like sticking with two or three dice mechanics which is why we kind of were focusing on Genesis once we realized that's kind of silly to do um and we started playing 2d20 um you know I've said that that's probably my most that's probably my favorite mechanic that 1a and along with with Genesis 1B just because they both help drive a narrative type of game and you know it's not so much a b anymore you know do you hit do you not it's much more you know it, it it helps reinforce it helps kind of guide the story versus the dice telling the story i don't know if that makes sense yeah absolutely i uh i don't actually like the 2d20 no i'm just kidding oh god I, here we uh, go again i uh, <laughs> uh you know you have so few chances. for the record it was jason that didn't like it i did right that's where <laughs> they lost the episode um i i mean i think so I will, i'll go more mechanical than that because i agree with everything you said brad because i mean we'd like like obviously from our podcast we geek out about world building and we geek out about, we kind of geek out about everything but world building and dice mechanics those were the things that got us into doing this and at least on my part, it was pure ignorance. It was, I could sit down with the Genesis narrative dice instructions and roll a few times. It's it, even just read it. It's like, okay, I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with all the symbols, but once you learn them, it's slick. Uh, I could sit down with a D20 mechanic, right? Like from 5e. And I mean, it, once I figured out how mods worked, it's like, oh, this is super simple. Like this is, okay, sure. Great. The, you know, the, you got your, your, your bell curve and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't understand like reading about the D20 system. It's like, why are you making me roll a second die? It looks just like the first. It's lovely. It's the right color blue, but why do I have to do that? And the very first time we rolled brad um we grabbed sorry i'm it's I, i'm a little tired i'm blocking on it we we played oh um what was it uh, among the stars we played the the the, yeah, the starter, starter kit. kit right and and we we had time we we literally had an hour we gave up recording time we sat down i think i think i jammed the first one mm -hmm. is that right okay we we did that finished the hour and it was like holy crap this mechanic works it takes it takes the conceptual simplicity of the d20 but then it wipes away the the major variance right it takes the swings out it allows you to be crunchy but still work with the narrative and and like like what what's the complication i mean why are they making me do all these things and then it was like 
oh yeah, I totally get it now. This works so fluidly. And I think so mechanistically, we started falling for D, uh, 2D20 literally the first time we played and became converts because it, I mean, you could just, it, it accomplishes all the goals, right? I, we, we really want to get Nathan Dowdell. We just haven't had the guts to actually ask him because this has been out for so long. Um, but you sound yeah, to me, Jason, man. you sound to me like you read that book against the gods, the history of risk or the, the remarkable story of risk. Peter Bernstein, have you heard? Have no, you read that? I, I know no? of the book. I've never read. Oh it, my but goodness! Maybe I should. It, it's one of the most uh, amazing. It sounds boring. It's about probability mathematics. Yeah. But and risk yeah. aversion, but how you apply it to business. But the way you just described that mathematically, oh. I was like, ooh, that sounds so Peter Bernstein. <laughs> we we actually had an episode early on where we talked about different dice mechanics and played out real life circumstances <laughs> that was fun. stupid and, but fun. <laughs> and yes completely stupid i mean we, we could wipe that episode away we probably should oh. but but we we use the different dice to um walk through decision making and it was funny how we played out as like mini gm but like real life we played out and 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 2d20 and genesis were the two that i found the most kind of realistic when you when you tell the story well well the thing is with this is interesting where we're about to go real quick because i believe that you make a hundred decisions just make a hundred decisions and the one that turns out right is going to pay off right of course the one that turns out wrong could kill you but but people are so risk averse now for the littlest things that actually why it's like even if this blows up you're not going to end up in hr and you're not going to end up costing the company money so just make the damn decision and we'll worry about it later and and so um i love that with the dice mechanics and you all playing a real life scenario with that like walking around one day and just doing dice as you go through life would be great Great practice. It was, what caught what it was an episode of Big Bang Theory. Sheldon did that where he took a D20 and he rolled it and he ended up what having a side of coleslaw and a buttermilk for dinner or something like that because <laughs> that's all he rolled. That's what kind of precipitated us doing it just to see how the mechanics would play out and how you know it wasn't such a coin flip. Right. That's cool to hear that because because there are some again I'm going to ask you talking going back to game mechanics do you find that there are systems that are designed nowadays that and you don't have to name names but that are just like unnecessary dice rolling to get to the point yeah oh sure and yeah. and originally we the I originally dragged Jason into gaming you were doing you were doing other games I originally dragged him into us doing some games together because we thought we wanted crunchy. You thought you wanted super crunchy, and it was the only way I could get you to play, so I did it. Yeah, okay, thank you. And it was thank totally you. worth it. Revisionist history. Um, but I thought because of my later in midlife found interest in numbers and probability and all that, I like I said, I was a musician. I can read music. I can do that. Numbers and all that were something I didn't want to touch. Um, as life, as my career changed, I saw that, and I wanted crunchy. Um, there are games out there that are phenomenal games, way too crunchy and people like playing them more power to them. I, I have a shelf over here of, of crunchy games. Um, some of which we tried early on and what we found is, um, we didn't enjoy and we didn't get into the games as well if they were super crunchy, just because there's a, there's a bigger learning curve. Um, the learning curve with um, Star Trek, even the learning curve, I'll be honest with you, Jason had to go through it multiple times with me, Star Wars, 
um, because of the probabilities and how the Genesis dice, how the narrative dice system works. But crunchiness wise, you know, I'm looking like one of them that we've talked about multiple times is Traveler. I mean, Traveler is a game where you could actually die during character creation if you play those rules. Wow. So I, I'm curious. And, and you know, yeah, we, we talk about Star Trek Adventures a lot here, but I'm curious if you were to recommend both of you, if you were to recommend a game that has the same kind of, a, you know, I, I like the mechanics for, for Star Trek Adventures. I was like you. I came out of all the different Marvel iterations before. And so I didn't mind a lot of dice, two, four, you know, four, six, yeah. eights, all that. But then. I was skeptical, ended up liking Star Trek Adventures. If it wasn't a Star Trek Adventures game, what would you recommend has a similarly enjoyable gaming mechanic? I, I take this with a grain of salt. I, I'm, I'm focusing on the similarly enjoyable, not an entirely equivalent mechanic. It's um, hard, yeah. I, I, it is. I do think they are, I think they're approximately equivalent in terms of outcome. How they get there is very different. Um, I love the the 2D20, obviously, and I really do love the Genesis narrative system. If you if you look at the right, if you look at the math behind the system, right? If you like, you, I mean, it's it's 2023 at least for a little while more. It's it's all on the interwebs, and so you know people have done these wonderful like analyses of of creating these probability graphs of here's how you you know here's what you get when you roll this this and if you spend a little, little bit of time, like I'm not a math wonk at all, but even I can see, okay, here's the tuning for how these dice work. And to me, the outcome is a similar feel to the 2D20 that you have some really cool things happen, but the swings aren't ridiculous. Of course, there's some fundamental differences, but the swings are the swings are real life, right? Like when I'm when I'm playing Star Trek Adventures with the 2D20, it feels like these are potentially real life events. When I'm playing Star Wars with the Genesis dice system, it feels like the real life events. And then in very different ways, they add essentially advantages and disadvantages through different languages and different mechanics, and the outcome seems different where that totally breaks down then is at least for me is i i have to play star trek differently than i have to play other things like star wars and especially like fantasy stuff um star trek is i I didn't make this up obviously star trek is a history of the future like when i play star trek i'm playing the future i want to see and i and it's harder brandon i've talked a lot about this just personally over the past few years it's harder for me total transparency to be as creative in uh well yeah as as truly divergently creative in star trek because i have such abiding respect and love for the canon and it's like well i'm just here to play in it right i don't want to break it oh, Whereas anything, but, but, but i mean it's it's yeah. hard and where with like something like DD or star wars it's like good luck breaking it it'll just be another kyber crystal thing right or midichlorians or look there's <laughs> another god in a pantheon and another right you can't do it so yeah. yeah i think the other game that that we've enjoyed playing that i like the narrative that i like the dice system is is green ronin's age system it's a 3d6 system um, it's very simple to learn. Um, and the idea of um, they, they there's there's some there's some really cute 
I don't want to say well, I'll say cute, cute type of tricks to the dice to the dice rolls and all that. That um, we had been looking for a fantasy game to play that was a little different than the two major players out there. No disrespect to them. Um, and came across the age system. I can we can play it. They have the expanse. We can play in the future. We can play in the past. Although. Trek seems to have taken up most of our future sci-fi gaming, but high fantasy world, um, fantasy age. I just, I like that mechanic. It's very simple to learn. Um, but I, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see, I haven't looked at dreams and machines yet. That's come out. That's so weird. I downloaded it today. Did you? <laughs> I haven't, yeah. I haven't looked at it yet. It's on my list. Um, they, they have because, a free, they have the free RPG quick start on Modifia. So if you go check it out, you can at least read through the, I, love those because it gives you such an ability mm -hmm. to play for free um yeah. i'm still looking for i i i can't mentally handle 65 dice mechanics in my head just can't do it um i kind of like to focus i like the 3d6 system i like the 2d20 system and there's one or two others that i'm interested in but i already jason and i already talked about it i'm not going to be able to look at them until next year um we're engrossed with our Star Trek New Voyages stuff where we're we're using Captain's Log to put out these little videos. Um, we're engrossed in that. We're engrossed in a couple other things Trek related. Jason has we'll talk about this. Jason has a bit of a a bit of a writing career um outside of what we do. Which we're gonna um, want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, you, which is I, I mean and I, I want to tell people too that uh listening to Dice in Mind is is kind of for me touring Gen Con. I just went to my first Gen Con this year. I keep talking about it, but um I didn't have enough time to dive in and play as many games as I wanted to. But what I have appreciated about your podcast is, is I can like the, to the question I just asked you about the mechanics and the design and stuff like that. That's like touring through Gen Con and getting a taste of all these different games out there That's that awesome. I'll never have time to play. So I appreciate that you guys take the time to do that. And no, part of it is just, that. I'll pick up. I have my library is a bit overdone. And so I'll say, Hey, Jason, it's a beautiful thing. yeah, I found this book. Why don't we, you yeah. know, Let's, let's talk about Tales from the Loop. Or, and and, and you know. we know we're, we can be Trek-focused, Trek-centric on the podcast, and we're good with that, but, but we actively strive not to become a Star Trek podcast. It, like, that would be the next podcast, right? We really, we really want to, we really want to explore the whole range in the industry because it's absolutely fascinating. And, and the more we talk to the more people from more perspectives, in and around these games and canons, the better we can play in any of them and the better we can write in any of them. And that's, I think that's just the most fun part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I, uh, Brad, I really appreciate you mentioning uh, fantasy age because uh, for the longest time now, I've been looking for a, like a high fantasy narrative focused system and I just haven't been finding them. Um, like, I, I mean, I can, I can kind of take some of the existing ones and kind of nudge them into into narrative even though the the system itself fights that right and uh, even some of my players when when i bring those games to the table they're like oh no combat combat's happening now we got that we got the miniatures we got the tokens we got the we got the the map tiles it's it's a tactical minis game now and it's like i didn't want a tactical minis game i want a narrative and it's so uh, I, it's so fast to create characters too you can yeah. you can get moving if you ever want to do it we're all game Okay. No board, pun intended. Can, yeah, yeah. Pun intended, that so. should be. That should be. Is that your tagline? Trademarked. We're all game. Because that's brilliant. <laughs> no. oh. Tr trust me, Michael. We are not all game. 
<laughs> I think that's abundantly clear. But yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> we probably just should not have a tagline. Make no. it, make it your tagline. Get yourself a T-shirt. There you Which, go. by oh, the way, do you awesome. have to tag it? Do you have to tag it explicit? Because Jason said uh, crap earlier. Well, now that you might have to. Because no, no, we're still it, but... on PG thirteen. As long as okay. my nieces and nephews can tune in. And you okay, know, I mean, jokes aside, we really go out of our way to make it like that on Dyson. I mean, we would never. Like we would never shut down a guest. Like we've had a few guests, not just Jim. We've had a few guests who are like, "I swear a lot." Is that okay? And it's like, you know, you just you, we're here to talk to you, right? Worst thing is we flag the sucker. Who? It's not like we have kids listening to the podcast. I mean, yeah. You'd I mean, be like our, wives, our wives don't even listen. Really? So. Of course they don't. They are, yeah. they never do. <laughs> oh, no, it's they have better judgment. Yeah. You'd be surprised I, though, because I, I, I oh, go ahead, Jim. What did you say? Uh, I was just gonna say, I think I, I think I've kept it pretty clean. I, I may have dropped one here or here or there, but you have. I try to keep it PG thirteen. So I'm looking. Get... I'm looking at our because we keep a list, and Jason flags them as explicit, and I don't see one where we've had to do that with you. No, but our... no it's just if someone swears. It's like just you, you never know. I, I want to know. Comes on. <laughs> yeah, but I want to know since we're talking about it, what can we do to get the next generation into RPGs? Good question. I, I, you know, you're aficionados of the genre based on, you know, from the podcast. I know that we, myself and Jim, you know, I definitely induct my nieces and nephews. Some like it, some may, may about it. But yeah. what would your suggestions be with everything going on out there to get I, kids to start into RPG? I've, I've, it's an awesome question. I've tried locally, shall we say. So when my daughters, I've got two daughters, they're both young women they're both teenagers now just for a little while yet um when they were younger as uh, along with my nephews and niece i got them all into role playing um now of course it wasn't star trek adventures because it did not yet exist or it actually probably right around the time they realized this was really dorky and why would i want to do this dad right they that's right around the time that that sta came out but i I did. I would just homebrew it. I do some prep. It was a lot of fun. I gathered them around the table and it was like always when we were visiting over at my parents' house. So we'd be on the floor. Everyone's around. They were all like, like 10 to 14. And I bring that up because I think at least in my experience, I think younger is better. And like Brad, you and I have talked to people on the podcast who do this, right? Like literally for a living. And and it's amazing what they do. And younger is better. Like, like I wasn't introduced to role playing until I was, I think, going into, I think I just finished my sophomore year of high school, right? And I mean, I wasn't a hard sell. I was like, I'm in. This is amazing. But um, I don't think that works for a lot of kids. And I think today there are so many stimuli out there and so many ways to play and so many things to play and it's all online now and that's awesome but right like we're the first video game generation and i mean i spent an inordinate amount of time as a kid in actual arcades but i think there's something beautiful about pencil and paper rpgs and when kids are little i mean it's theater of the mind they are naturally excellent at this and you're just giving them a sandbox to play in and i, I and just from my experience, I think it nothing has to be cool. It just has to be fun. And so if we get them like elementary into the very start of middle, um, so what if they're not lifelong players? They are still better 
people and more creative thinkers because maybe they spent a few years doing it. I bought my daughter because um, she's a she was a huge Stranger Things fan, and uh, Wizards had come out with a with the original Red Box and then had a little Demi Gorgon in it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get her to play. She was all excited, and then the box I found on my desk probably two years later, and I'm like, did you just were you just excited just so you wouldn't hurt my feelings? And she goes, yeah, I don't want to play. Um, but I appreciated her honesty and that's what we've taught her. Um, my son, we've looked at, you know, I've been trying to get him more into sci-fi. Um, I couldn't convince him to watch Firefly before the rookie. I'm like, if you're going to watch a Nathan Fillion show, you got to start with Firefly. Um, for them, you know, you go out and you watch TikTok, of which I do my share. Um a lot of it is game playing, you know, where they're playing Rust or they're playing, you know, these these other instant gratification games. Most of it's um, Letter Kenny, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. dropped it. But but it's it's you know it's probably the same people who decide to, you know, use Garage Man to make a music and then the kid who picks up a guitar and says, I'm gonna I mean I I'm feeling like mm -hmm. it's the same energy there. I think it, it RPG games are a little more slow burn. Yeah. than some of these instant gratification games are. Um, and my hope is that we'll see a difference. I'll add this at the end. I worked for, I've worked for education companies, adult education companies, and they did, they did a study about training, training adults. Um, and for those of us that are Gen X or on the Gen X millennial area, we can still take a 30 minute training session without a loss of interest. Millennials, straight up millennials heading towards Gen Z, training sessions should be no longer than six minutes. Yep. When they got to Gen Z, and I think it's now Gen Alpha, I don't know what they're calling it anymore. Now they're saying three minutes or less. And so it's a, it's an environment where everyone is looking for quick instant gratification, 30 second videos, TikTok, which was musically before it was TikTok, Vine was out there, all of these little quick hit videos um and so teaching patience teaching longevity the slow burn jason you're going to jump in here I, well and i'm just agreeing with you because i mean and i think this is important to say because it's not being said in in any circles really right neurologically the brain hasn't changed we have become well younger have become socialized to expect the boom, 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 boom of Correct. media, right? Right. We, you know, kids, kids these days, now I sound like Brad when we're offline, <laughs> kids these days, right? The six minute thing, that's an issue because that's what they've been raised on and learned. And so, you know, RPGs, like you said, it's a slow burn that can teach patience, that can teach theater of the mind, that can mm. teach step by step by step. So that we're not always living moment, and, moment. and it's it's sharing empathy, patience. Right. We talk about that, me and Jim, about just being okay. Like I've sat back. I know Jim has too. We've talked several times where for thirty minutes we let our players go because we're just having so much fun watching them. And it can it can work as well for someone who's truly neurodivergent as someone who isn't. And that's hard to find, especially in modern society when things are fast and furious. I wonder, because you were talking about miniatures before, and this is maybe, I don't have the answer. One of the things I've tried to do to get my son, who's 19, a little more involved in gaming, is going down the board game path. Um, Axis and Allies. Um, 
Star Trek Rebellion used to be a video game. They came out with a board game version of it. Um, Firefly, the board game, um, those type of things, because it's more palatable and visual. Whereas a lot of times you can do gaming with virtual tabletops that are phenomenal. But I'm an analog person. I'm, I got my bl screen blurred, but this is my notebook. Um, this is where I journal Star Trek Adventures Captain's Log. Um, we, we purposely did not closely read Captain's Log purposely until the print version came out. Yeah. Because we both like the palatable book. My mm. son's in college. His, uh, we've all been to college. We all have seen our book, you know, the prices we had to pay for books. His books between his first two semesters of college were 120 bucks. And it was digital versions of the books. They don't get physical books. And he's in an engineering program. Mm -hmm. so this idea of analog books i jason you, you're you know i i yield to your expertise on this but you have to hit them young to teach them the 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 need and the and the love for something that doesn't that that doesn't take six to ten seconds for gratification and and the president just said i mean look at the resurgence of vinyl right with music i mean who saw that coming back talk about compared to streaming the most inefficient fragile way possible to enjoy music and it's become huge it there is i mean i think it's all around us right people will do this there is a potential there is maybe even a need it's just a matter of getting out in front of people well with music you could turn on the radio and you can hear auto-tune and as a former aspiring professional musician auto-tuned music just drives me crazy um but and you know i grew up in the 80s and the 90s music that was my thing so you know when i play guitar that's what i gravitate to i'm starting to hear bands now come back where you're actually hearing people actually sing you're hearing guitar you're hearing drums mm -hmm. if you like the 80s you're hearing keyboard um and it, it, it Going back to things that are take time, you know, I'm hopeful. I see it with my kids. I'm hopeful that, and this is a, a that they can right in many ways the wrongs that we created as Gen Xers or didn't fix when we could have. Um, and just, and that's the only thing I really worry about with that generation. Is, is see, now we're back to Star Trek. Well, I think yeah. it's about giving them the tools too, and and. Mm -hmm going back to the creative renaissance i'll call it right now of rpg happening right now is more people can not only play but then create and memorialize it and maybe that is the key is when a kid after they play like my nieces and nephews they play with me i journal it right after and they go read it and they're like oh and then when i didn't journal the last game they're complaining about it so <laughs> so cool. so my thing that is well is take cool. take your own dang notes you know and so maybe maybe that'll spur them on to get into it so I wanna, but that that gives me hope yeah I, not yeah. to interrupt sorry jim that just gives me hope that they're that the generations yeah. upcoming will you know that i'll be completely wrong and 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 i hope i am i, really I hope do. so because they said tv would kill us but we're mm -hmm. actually more creative more people but being creative the, so the, the sorry black, jim i keep talking the, over jim. the the blackboard was going to end education because now students wouldn't have to learn dead serious right mm -hmm. every every generation man mm -hmm. yeah 
Sorry, Jim, I jumped over. Yeah, no, now it's your turn. Talking. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So I, I wanted to. I wanted. To, yeah, we're going to go back a little bit because I couldn't get a word a word in because this is all great conversation. But uh, um, I want to pick on something. Pick at something a little bit that you were talking about about how um, how it, it would be nice to um, get the the newer generation to be a little more patient and a little okay. more thoughtful in, into working on a game. And uh, that's a real challenge, right? With uh, with RPGs, especially with uh, like I know when we were working on Captain's Log, and, and trying to streamline two D twenty into a different kind of rule set, was that like like the the younger generation of gamers they they don't want to read a three hundred page book, right? They want to play the game. They want to get moving. They want to, they want a quick explanation of the rules, and then they want to go play. I see it all the time on Discord and on Facebook and on all the social media for specifically for Star Trek Adventures, but also tangentially other Modiphius games and then other games out there in the RPG meta is like they'll, they'll, they'll maybe buy the core book. They'll maybe buy the quicks or they'll maybe pick up the quick start and almost immediately, you know, just based on reading between the lines of their posts, they're like, okay, I, I got this game. I don't know how to play it. Can someone give me a, a short video? Can someone walk me through this? Can someone give me the, the, the 30 second, you know, info bite, that will help me understand this game and play it. And I read those comments. I'm like, well, shoot, I can't, I can't like, like there's too much to this system. I can't possibly distill it down to 30 seconds. I've tried, like I've tried to, like, like I've tried to encourage people, like just focus on the core mechanic, target number 2d20 difficulty number uh, you're off and running and then add the other mechanics to taste. Um, so I, I don't know what my, my point here is, but uh, like, I think, I think gaming as a whole I mean, specifically RPG, tabletop RPGs, really need to think about how are we presenting our games and our rule sets, and how are we how are we, not so much streamlining, but how are we how are we making them easy to understand in real, really, really, really short bites, as opposed to like telling a kid, um, you know, because like I mean, I was I was thirteen when I got D and D, got into D and D, right? So I was young and impressionable, right there in middle school brain wide open for sponging up everything right but but now i mean back then we didn't have the level of just you were talking about the level of distractions that we have now right i mean everybody's got a smartphone everybody's got to watch a billion things coming at them left and right constant constant information overload and and to tell a kid hey you want to play star trek adventures here's the 350 page core rule book Go absorb that. One of you gets to be the game master, and your expectation is that you're going to have to know this game inside and out because your players are going to be coming to you asking questions for the game. Now you're making me think what we need to do is like I've I, the only thing I've seen that was really cool is I mean there's others, but I'm thinking of Catan and Exploding Kittens. If you go to YouTube and you have this cool little like three to five minute video where these guys are really cool and they explain you the rules in three to five minutes and it really works. And I show it every time before I introduce a game and then we jump into it. Maybe, maybe Jim will have to put our brains together and create a five minute how to play Star Trek Adventures game, which I actually think is possible with the mechanics, with the yeah, basic you know, mechanics. There are, we, we do have some of those out there. Like uh, like uh, Sam, uh, Sam Webb did a really good job of creating some very short videos on how to play Star Trek Adventures. I mean, this was what, seven years ago. Uh, and they're still out there on the YouTube channel. And it's just a matter of like pointing people to that. And, you know, certainly no disparagement on the younger generations, but I get the feeling sometimes that people don't know how to use a search engine. Uh, so they'll, they'll go to Discord and they'll just <laughs> ask questions. And, you know, I love that. Uh, you know, please ask the questions when you've got them. But at the same time, 
as as a as a young person working your way through school working your toward your career like learn how to do just a teeny 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 bit of research right the, um, there are so very many things jim i want to say in response in terms of <laughs> development and i'm just going to say one yeah go ahead that i don't think any of us should be dumbing down or simplifying or unnecessarily titrating anything mm -hmm. kids today have the same capacities as they've always had absolutely that right that said though i think you don't simplify content you provide guidance and mm -hmm. i think that's one of the ways again not just on pandering but that's one of the ways that captain's log stood out right away to the two of us the flow charts for example in yes. captain's log and you i think we've talked about this with you actually but uh, and i don't remember if it was like just writing a, you know texting or whatever but um, the flowcharts are invaluable. Like if if we had had the flowcharts back when we first picked up STA, mm -hmm. right, the core rulebook, that would have been a rapid on-ramp. Because core rulebooks, I'm sorry, but with all due respect to everyone out there, I've yet to see an easy-to-read, easy-to-use core rulebook. STA probably gets as close to that or closer than anybody out there some of my favorite games the core rulebooks are just a mess we'll ignore the editing they're just a mess in terms of the flow um that's where captain's log stand like just really stands out because everything moves and then when you get to the crunchy parts here's the flow chart so that you can see it and you can keep flowing going back to it i think mm -hmm. things like that yeah. Right. That's your Twitch. That's your YouTube. That's your whatever where where kids and adults can follow it. Yes. Yeah, so we say first. We, uh, um, I, I want to make sure. Uh, I, first, I, I apologize profusely if I came across as saying that we need to simplify or, or dumb no, down. No, 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 no. Mechanics or the games, because mm -hmm. that's absolutely not my intent. Like my son is seven years old and he is smarter than me. And, and like he picks stuff up like way faster than I'm ever going to be able to. And I'm thrilled to see it. But um, I think what I was trying to get at, though, is what you what you articulated much better than me, Jason, is that is that we need to rethink the presentation of of the rules and, and how things are presented. And this this really impacts game masters because game masters are kind of expected to be teachers. Right. And some of them are good teachers and some of them are not good teachers. But like I've seen firsthand and secondhand just by listening on social media that like a bad game master will kill your game. Like if they if they run your game in a convention and they suck at it, people are going to walk away from that saying that game sucks because I had a horrible experience at the at the convention and it it may have been the game, but it may have been the game master. But then you get to a game convention and like you have an amazing game master who's evocative and exciting and fun and brings cool props to the table, and you're like, oh, this is an amazing game, even though subconsciously they're thinking this is an amazing game master. Right. So there's that piece of it. So, no, absolutely. We shouldn't be dumbing anything down or simplifying it. We should just be making better presentations. Um, so that was one piece of it. And then the one thing I wanted to say just in response to what you were saying is that I, I've seen one game in mumble years that I thought was really good at presenting the game and the rules. And I wish more companies would do this, but it was the West End Games Star Wars revised and expanded edition core rulebook. It was the one that came out. It was full cover, full color full color in and out and what they did is they had a set of iconic characters that they created for the game right so there's like your consistent um you know um, soldier and there's a jedi and there was you know there's like six or seven iconic characters and throughout the book as i remember i had to pull it off the shelf to remember for sure but there were like little sidebars little vignettes in the character's voice explaining elements of the rules as you went 
right? So like I you were reading in the that. rules, and then you were seeing these little sidebars that kind of reinforced the, the 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 mechanics. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing! This is great because now I'm getting it. I'm reading the technical side of things and kind of grokking the mechanics, and now I'm reading the narrative that's folded into that. And now it's making more sense because I was getting it two different directions, and that really helped me developmentally like understand the game better than just reading the book and then hoping that I could find a game master who understood the rules better than me, who could then teach it to me. Right. So that's I think I the mean. term just to, to, I want to make a term that we use around my office about what we're trying to do here. It's not, we don't use the term dumbing down. We use the term, make it more accessible. So what we got to do is make these games more accessible to a wider variety of people and getting out of the Oxford didactic way, didactic way that we think people are supposed to be learning, which isn't true. There's many different brain ways, you know, ways to work. So, so I'd like to, and I think we're doing a step with Captain's Log. Video gives another option for accessibility. TikTok might also, if we get that creative, you know. Your, your, kick, uh, kick, your kickstart different mechanic your quick start, quick start. guide oh you beat uh, me to it yeah haha your quick start guide um i i think i think you guys did that that i was amazed i i mean amazed at how easy it was to get into the game because right i mean the the 2d20 it's not simple right until and with all the pieces around it there's a lot going on and until you see it you don't see it in the quick start guide I, I read through it. I read through it as, as literature, like like months and months and months before we actually tried tried playing it. And it was like, okay, I know they told me they're going to use this to teach me. It says that right up front. And as I'm reading it through, like doing some of the roles, I'm thinking to myself, they're actually teaching me how to do this. And I think like, so the way that's oriented, that's designed, it's it's just wonderful. And then I think you, you know, if you can add a visual or two, like it just, but that to your point, like that made it so accessible and it felt like you're, it felt like I was in an episode. It felt like I was actually learning how to play and it didn't feel like it was simplified. Well, I just thought that was, that, that was super slick. You give those away on site, $0, not only for Star Trek adventures, but Dune has it. The other games have it. I've downloaded them. Green Ronin honestly does a good job with their quick starts as well. Um, and I think those are, we've talked about this with Jim on our episode, points of entry, different points of entry the, to the game. Um, Captain's Log is is a point of entry. The Klingon core rulebook is a point of entry. The quick start guide is a point of entry. Heck, the rules digest is a point of entry. Um, you've given, Star Trek Adventures has given multiple, you know, ingress points to the game. Um, and the quick start is, is, and the quick starts, I think are, you know, PDF form or 15 pages printed. I still like to print, um, you know, however, there, however, maybe that could be done to, to be used with the younger generation. I just think it's a free way they could play a whole game. They could download the free missions that you have out there. Um, there's so many different ways that you could play. You could start playing Not that I don't want you to sell books, but without even buying a book yet totally true totally true huh so much here i i my thing is uh, if yeah, every one of us and me and jim talk about if, if once a year we just get one or two people to play and create game masters of them then it'll propagate and i think it's been going pretty well jim it seems like on social media that people are actually picking up the reins 
I, I see a few I, I see a few uh, veteran Star Trek gamer game masters out there who are actually intentionally running beginner games for people either at conventions or online and I just I, I appreciate them so much because they're they're literally growing the game like person by person and I think most games these days that's what you've got to do I think um, I mean the the behemoth in the house is Wizards of the Coast. No one's going to touch them. They are an industry unto themselves. And then there's everybody else, right? Except maybe Paizo. I think Paizo somewhere in the in the in the mid range there because uh, you know they're 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 so entrenched. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean you gotta like any game. I mean I feel like Star Trek Adventures has has actually started to gain some headway here within the last maybe year and a half to two years. And and it's been seven years of work, right? Getting to this point, and it's not just me, and it's not just Medipius. It's it's the fans have taken this on, and are working with each other. And and I think that's a sign of a healthy game. Anytime you got a fan base that's motivated to support themselves, is uh, is a win, right? Absolute win. And um, I because think the uh, blog. I was telling you today, my blog's never done better. It's exploded. The continuing yeah. mission. I I look at how many people come to it and interact on it. It's mm-hmm. it's the the past six months has been amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think I think we just got to keep we got to keep going with that. And, and like like you were saying, the I, I pushed really hard to get those flow charts into uh, into Captain's log. And I, and I badgered Michael constantly saying, look, we've got to find a way like I, I mean, absolutely. We're going to streamline 2D20. But in addition to streamlining 2D20, let's get flow chart, figure out a way. And, and I mean, I know I know it was a heavy lift for you, Michael, <laughs> but I was working on four other things. I couldn't do it all. No, I had Josh okay. Allen. Josh Allen gets Josh, full cred for those flow charts. Yeah, he did an amazing job. And I was like, we've got to find a way to present this text textually, of course, but also visually. We've got to find a way to make it happen. And I think we did OK. I think I wish I'd had another six months right, to, to do another beauty pass on it. And uh, going back to something you you all talked about at the very beginning of this of tonight's show is where you're saying it, it would be cool if some some of the other lines at Modiphius were to do a solo RPG like you know Dune or Octon Cthulhu or something. And uh, you know I, I've told the other project managers like, look, we've got the we've got Captain's Log uses as the baseline. But I said if you're going to do a solo RPG, take what we did and make it better. Like this was this was like the embryonic first draft of a of a solo RPG in the 2D20 sphere. Um, I want to see what they can do with it. You know, I want to see them evolve it. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's not in my, it's not in my purview. Um, I just hope they do. <laughs> we'll see though. Cause like, I would love to play Dune. Uh, I just don't have anybody in my world that gives anything about Dune. Uh, I guess, Michael, maybe you do. Of course you got the super fancy book. So I think I'd be, I'd be constantly jealous of your fancy book. <laughs> well, I read through, I'm sorry. I read through the rule, but cause it's easier. Once you pick, this is a good thing. Once you know one 2d 20 game, it's yeah. pretty easy to pick up any of the other things, but I have to admit that the design on the houses and the monetary basis of Dune, I am dying to play because it's such a slow. It's it's like it, not, even better than Risk. I, I'm trying. It's it's a it's it's a it bakes. It slow bakes the story, which is mm-hmm. I'm dying to play Dune actually. Right, because that's Dune, uh, right? A faint within a faint within a faint, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. It's like tw- it's like kind of like Twilight Imperium, you know, the board game. It's just it's kind of another type of slow burn type of yeah. of game. And yeah, I'm I'm it's one of those games I would like to try before the end of the year. I don't know if I'll I, have I, a vehicle. I, I think I'm going with my wife. She likes Dune. So we're going away for three days to Yosemite, like a cabin to relax. And I'm bringing it with us. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's like, hey, let's build a house just for funsies. <laughs> you know? awesome. I would I would, oh, I, would nice. I would love to play an RPG version of diplomacy. If, if you've any of you have played diplomacy, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like the, the slow burn, the negotiation, the, the alliances, 
and then at the at the absolutely right time you do the backstab and then you're you got the you got the end game and you're winning and oh man that is such a stressful game but it is so much fun when it works i mean when you're on the wrong end of it it really sucks right but when you when you spend hours i mean in some cases weeks right like there's a there's a time when i was playing diplomacy on um on uh, uh played by email right I mean, this is back in the early stages of the internet and in like you know uh, i mean in the back back day i know there were gamers who would actually like literally mail their moves to the central person who was playing it right but then of course you know the internet came and made it a little bit easier but uh that that is a, a, a very tense game and i would love to find an rpg version of that i think amber might be the only one that i've really played that had that kind of level of 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 pvp but also work working together elements and of course amber was diceless which was kind of a cool um a cool approach to role-playing but anyway that's beside the point um i had to quit playing it because i would i would get too wired and and fired up over it and i realized that it was going to probably kill me from a blood pressure issue but that is (laughs) yeah it is a phenomenal game and like you said a slow burn yeah. All right. Okay. Whew. Okay. I now I see. You know, I, I've never again had the pleasure to be with Brad, Jason, and Jim at the same time on a podcast. But no joke, this could easily go four hours. So we got we got to get to the place though. What I, which I want to talk is always promoting our guests who come on. Tell us about this book that's out yeah. there now. Jason, you got to talk about the book. Jason. That's that's really so here. It's mm-hmm. it's like leadership in Star Trek. Uh, lessons from the captain's chair. One of my other good friends, Aaron, um, you know, we both teach leadership and you can, I mean, you know, you, you, we all get it. You can only, you can only do what you're doing and try to do it well for so long before you start to recognize. And here are the common problems, right? And, um, okay. So the, the, well, the short version is we tried to get this out into the world. Some of these ideas in a couple different venues we actually uh, we actually tried to get this published in an academic journal and there just weren't really good fits and then kind of blew our mind we got a couple pieces on startrek.com and it was like when that started happening it was like yeah there's clearly we know we want to write this we know what we want to write there's clearly an audience if they're willing to burn some space on that and then 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 people get it there's there's an interest and so we were kind of emboldened and we got to a point and I, I said to Aaron, who again, great guy. I got, I said to Aaron, I'm like, I'm doing this. I, I just, I am internally compelled to do this. There are, there are just things in, if you've ever read a leadership book, the first thing you've probably discovered is it probably sucks. Um, It's just, it's, it's just, it's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some good ones out there, but they are exceptions to the rule. Um, and one of the things that really raises my hackles is when, and this is true in a lot of fields, you, there's so little research cited behind like, hey, do these things for leadership because this is the way the world works. That's great. What does the research say? And very few people could answer that. So I'm like, okay, we're just going to write a scientifically informed book on leadership. And I want to do it through Star Trek because why wouldn't we? We're just going to have fun and I'm just going to trust that this sucker is going to get published. And um, so much, well, I was going to say to our amazement, but no, because I really thought it would happen. It would just be a matter of time and we weren't in a hurry. So we got this wonderful academic publisher, McFarland, and and they got it right away. And our, our editor, Layla Milholland, she's, I mean, she just got it right away. And so the book is um, hopefully fun to read. It's targeted 
for um for both students and professionals and it's basically 40 plus case studies across the grand captains of star trek looking at all the different things that might come up in leadership good bad and ugly and all backed up by the research and sometimes there's a lot sometimes there's a little depends what's there um each each chapter starts with a vignette that's the closest i've ever gone to writing fiction and it was a grotesque amount of fun um, and so no, I really appreciate you letting me you letting me just chill it for a sec. That that who, no, who I the, love who it. Who wrote the forward, Jason? Jason, who oh, wrote the this is so Aaron Walke, the EP from uh, one of the EPs from Prodigy, who's just the nicest guy. Wow. And I, I don't know him personally, but in our interactions, um, he we reached out through through a contact, and um, like right away he was like, yeah, I'll write it. And he wrote us just a lovely forward because you know you 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 look at things like prodigy and it's like whoa where did that come from and and it's like that makes sense this is the kind of person we we want writing and we had nothing to lose so we reached out he's like yep i'm a little busy could have wait a couple months it's like it can wait as long as you want <laughs> and um and he got us this lovely this lovely forward and um it just it was a pure joy and now you know this is my first book and so now it's learning all the cool weird stuff behind that like you guys deal with all the time right the production stuff and the publication stuff and now the marketing stuff um and it's absolutely fascinating and i'll say midway i'm not kidding midway through writing this book it started to occur to to us especially to me okay this is the first step but one of the things we we encountered when we wrote this is being humble kind of is implicit in every chapter like what are the trek captains good at and archer not so much but so we call him an adolescent explorer and we talk about here's what we can still learn about it and so we're about 40 percent now into the second book and our working title for that is humble leadership Ooh, nice. um, and we're, we're focusing specifically on pike as a captain through the lens of strange new worlds and and that's if you want a deep 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 dive that's just scientifically rigorous and also teaches you the meditative skills to be a whole humble leader that's our follow-up but i would highly recommend it because i love it you know, hold it up one more time for those who are and, and oh, you the whole title are yeah leadership in star trek lessons from the captain's oh. chair they oh i'm sorry they just nailed they just nailed the cover um yeah. mcfarland has just been an absolute pleasure to work with them we're so lucky so no, thank you guys. Awesome. That's really sweet. I appreciate it. This that's is awesome. actually um uh this is actually I'm putting this like this is actually Brad's copy that I'm waiting to send him. <laughs> so <laughs> I said I wanted I wanted it signed by both authors. Yeah. So and I was gonna buy one and ship it up there, but he said no no no, no I got a uh, copy. No. Yeah. So yeah. Jim, what were you gonna say? Because then I know I want to follow up with well, I, I mean, I was I was just going to get down into the weeds and just be really practical about the business of publishing and yeah. say that uh, I, I'm going to try to figure out a way to start a letter writing campaign. Like once I get my copy, I'm going to devour it and, and highlight highlight the hell out of it. Um, but I'm going to start I'm going to try to get fans to write some sort of letter campaign to your publisher to say, please, for the love of God, <laughs> make an ebook of this thing. It's not hard. to Oh, do. it's uh, the ebook is coming. Oh, it yeah, is the e okay, yeah awesome. the ebook oh yeah we asked sure. about that um uh you know they're academic they're not one of the big ones and yeah. so everything's just in queue yeah. so this this published officially on 814 it mm -hmm. became available um through pretty much any outlet actually like approximately today amazon's 
had it for for a, better than a week um and we were told the ebook takes two to three weeks because they've got to do it so the mm-hmm. ebook is absolutely coming awesome yeah. that's excellent okay well yeah. good uh so, so what, that's fantastic uh, and the last thing i was going to say is uh, unsolicited you know uh, suggestion because like we do this all the time anyway when we're talking on yeah. your show is i think it would be fantastic to take all this leadership and and if you not just from the captain perspective from but from like a department head perspective mm-hmm. like like tell the stories of jordy and data and wharf as as leaders in their little little queue with a higher leader above of course you know you have Riker and, and Picard above them but it would be fascinating because like I know with leaders cool. leadership especially at my job there's so many middle managers right and a lot of those middle managers could really mm. use some leadership skills so and some leadership development okay so you're totally on the wavelength of this book because yeah. not we we <laughs> we wrote it so that it was access and it really intentionally accessible for anyone who's interested in leadership and or Star Trek but our specific audiences in mind were like grad students in leadership or mm-hmm. mid-level people in corporate who nice. had to do professional development. And and then one more thing I'll say is, like, right, I wrote this series of vignettes. It starts every chapter. And over the course of the book, it tells a story through your eyes as the reader of someone who's presumably about in mid-level leadership and what that's like and what you need and what's there to be learned. So yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you and I might steal your idea for the second one. But I'll Well, well here I'm, I'm feeling some synergy here because me and Jim have dreamt about, because I, both of us do leadership training. I, I do executive yeah. leadership training. I do conflict resolution. Sweet. I travel around doing that. And I dream about one day and me and Jim have talked about actually teaching them how to play RPG for like the session to confront these issues and have them in their tables, do scenarios, role play, roll the dice just to get the risk factor in there. Aaron, my my friend and co-author, he's an expert in conflict resolution. Wow. So that was, yeah, we, I mean, totally there. It would be awesome. Jason, that lost episode we have, what was the title of that episode? It was uh, it was conflict resolution in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to. Yeah, my bad. I I am as an end user. I'm very excited to get my copy because I am. I've lived in that middle management realm. When I would pitch Um, stuff to you, I'm like, okay, test this out. Tell me if we're uh, on the wrong track here. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't overstate. But I am true. I am a I am a consumer. I'm very lucky that I know someone. Know that both of them. who have written this because I know this, Jim, you, well, you both know this better than I do. Probably there's a lack of empathy. There's a lack of compassion. Um, and there's just a lack of just sheer, uh, yes, a lack of yes. It. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, it, it, it's, yeah. And, and I'm in, I'm in the middle of a job search and I have purposely limited my scope mm-hmm. because I just have to find a way to not deal with, that because i you know it's how toxic healthy. the environment can be yeah i, I want to plug one thing too i'm actually putting in the I'll, I'll i'll try to remember to put it in the blog post when i put this up but there was an article i did and it, i don't know if you've heard of ambassador gina amber crombie win stanley she's actually a huge star trek fan but she wrote um she works for the u.s department 
State Department. And she wrote two papers, white papers, one diplomacy in Star Trek and the other one, the representation of disability in Star Trek. And it, and I'm loving when people are making the connection to this genre of it's a better future, a better humanity. So I just put that in. I'll awesome. refer people, if you, if you type in the word, go to continuing missions and type in the word diplomacy, you'll see those two white papers from, from Ambassador Gina Abercrombie, Win Stanley. So it's kind of remind me of the work you're doing, Jason, yeah, cool. is bringing leadership yeah. and Star Trek together. Yeah, thanks. I suspect this will show up in the next one. That's awesome. Well, like, By the way, I did I did order the, the Against the Gods book. Jason always laughs because I'll tend to order something during an episode. I do it with Jim too. <laughs> yeah. the, it's, I, it's, a, it's a running joke of how far in will yeah. we get to an interview? And I know when Brad's looking away for more than about 30 to 40 seconds <laughs> that he is so entering credit card information. I, I already popped. Oh, see, I, mine's automatic. It's I have my automatic. Too. Yeah. I, I popped <laughs> it up. I really want that ebook though because I, I read in the Kindle, in the pool while I'm in. I have my Kindle. It's waterproof. Yeah. So I oh, hit the suntan nice. and get the reading on at the same time. So I want your. I ordered the ebook for this. Yeah, because I'll read on mine. Too, Where's the ebook? So. I didn't see an ebook option. Wait. There's a Kindle option for Against the Gods, not for Jason's. Oh, book. Yeah, oh, for, Jason. I'm, for oh, Against the Gods. Yeah. Right. For Against the Gods, there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I think we we did it. We did an episode a few weeks ago, uh, with um with uh, Chris McCarver and um Jacob Ross and somebody else, and we just ended up talking about writing and 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 the writing life and captain's log and like how it, it teaches writing and like we were all literally pulling books off our shelves and we we're like oh yeah so save funny. the cat this that nothing understanding comics i bought this like, one right on that like, same oh, show yeah. and there's a moment where it got really kind of quiet and we were because we were all on our other screen ordering from amazon <laughs> and uh, now we've got all these books coming in i like, bought three books during that episode oh I my remember. god kind of hashtag normalized capitalism. vindication yeah, yeah vindication. seriously I, yes. I'm going to have to, yes. but you know, but to, to flip this around for a mm-hmm. sec, I, I, I will say one of the things that's been clear in the past, like half dozen episodes of your podcast of this one is it seems you guys are evolving too in what you're doing, especially courtesy of, of, of captain's log, like your vibe is changing too. I think, I think the, the interviews, the discussions, the banter, like you guys are getting deep. And you're having fun and it's not just it's not just plugging away at the game which is great because it's such a resource right like I, i'm blocking on which one it was i was just glued to one of your it was one of the early captain's logs episodes i don't remember which one it was it was it was explaining something that i was struggling with as we were getting trek talks going and and it was like i paused it two or three times so i could write little bits it's like this was exactly what i was looking for and you guys do that you've always done that but like, yeah, when you're pulling books off of shelves and stuff like that, I mean, that's just, that's kind of a cool evolution too, because of where you guys are, who knows where you're going to go. That's neat. Yeah, what was yeah. the, what was the book, Jim, you recommended to us about DS9? I have it on my oh. shelf. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That uh, was phenomenal. Uh, it's the, yeah. the making of, the making of Deuce yeah. Space 9 yes. by uh, Judy and Garfield yeah. Reeves Stevens. Hang on a second. I got it here. Um, it's literally right behind me. It's a big honking, it's a big honking yes. tone, Deuce Space 9 companion. Oh, no, that's not but- it. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, yeah, no you're this was a different. Yeah. yeah. I also. Make, yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. It's it, well it, worth it, reading. Yeah. It's so good. And yeah. um, you pair this up with Save the Cat or Story by Robert McKee. Your your goal. Or or this one. Which, which one's manuscript that? Manuscript makeover. makeover. That manuscript makeover. Elizabeth Lyon. It's up there with Hack the Cat. I read it for screenplay, but Thank also how cat. save the cat. I always call it. Hack the cat. So we're looking cat. No, no, no cat hacking here. Good no lord, cat. you're gonna get no PETA involved here now. 
<laughs> there's a reason why but i'm gonna ignore why, why why i keep calling it that but um yeah this this was another one that actually i was key to me with captain's log about how to tell a story oh, wow. yeah and so okay. this is this was the backbone of that in addition to like um some of the other books that that we've been talking about yeah you know jason i i don't think it was intentional that our that our focus has shifted a little bit but but knowing michael as a as a lifelong educator and uh and uh, and you know corporate trainer and also a writer and, and me being a writer and also doing a lot of training and development mm -hmm. at, at work i almost wonder if captain's log was kind of unintentionally our conduit to start teaching people how to write and how to write star trek specifically well, and i think it might also be an element yeah. of, of me and probably michael as well where we love this franchise so much and we yeah. want to make it accessible and easy for other people to get into it and and one of the easiest ways to get into it is to write fanfic and there's you know there's no shame there's nothing wrong with fanfic because I, I i started writing fanfic when i was you know 7, 14 15 whatever and of course that's how i got my career started right is, is writing the short stories for star trek yeah. uh, strange new worlds like the writing contest yeah. and, and i mean that Amazing. contest ran for 10 11 years and there was what 20 20 writers per book so you figure that's you know 200 plus stories and writers that got started thanks to star trek and strange new worlds right. uh, the the contest not the series that came the series came later mm -hmm. um but i think this is just an opportunity I, I think as i over the last few weeks as i've seen the reaction to the book and as i thought about all the stuff that we put into the book i think this was and michael i don't know how you feel but this i think this was me subconsciously wanting to teach people to unlock their creativity to be writers to be more confident writing and to 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 just let go and have fun and do something cool with this amazing franchise um and if if i could help develop this book and give them this tool and say here's this tool please go do something cool with it and then share what you're doing so that i can see it um that was my hope i think and i think just over time i think our our episodes have gotten more into that zone of like we are we are writers and we are storytellers yeah yeah. you are a writer and a storyteller and we know it's within you it's in within your brain you just maybe haven't been encouraged to unlock it and i think that's something that michael and i michael and i have talked a lot about lately uh, is how how the arts in america are just not encouraged oh, like yeah no music mm -hmm. or to do writing or anything and we want to change that <laughs> well people are and and we know that the overall trend is to silence voices when it comes yeah. to power and yeah. when you give someone a voice or you're even able to communicate your own voice well you actually get very powerful i know when i write these books jim's heard me say it before i did it with captain's law game master's guide player's guide i'm writing it for my 13 year old niece she's now she's going on 15 but when i wrote it initially i wrote it how can i get my 13 year old niece into this and my or my nephew maddie who posts now on continuing missions sometimes you know he he's 16 years old now um and and for the reason that jim was was saying is it's like when you pass somebody a karaoke mic the first time and then you see they have confidence even if they didn't sing well they're like my god but that did something dopamine to me and i want to do it again or or improv acting once you get up there what that does for the mind and for the voice and expressing and especially in the business environment learning how to express your voice and put on different masks that you need to in order to navigate the complex structure of corporate america i feel that when we're putting in this i'm trying to empower people i'm not just trying to have fun but I do believe that work can be fun. You can play at work and get stuff done, right? Absolutely. So, so he lets me. Jim has let, been letting us, not just me, but everybody, just pour the best into that. Um, and my dream, which we've already started to see happen, which has thrilled me, is that people are taking this book and matching it with other books. 
outside of the Star Trek franchise and they're building their own universes. And to me, it's like, yeah. thank you. No limits. Just go for it. Um, stop judging yourself. Somebody said, uh, I said the other day, somebody said the other day, I'm not going to play this because I see people are doing such cool stuff. And I personally reach out to them. I said, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that. Mm. I said, why would you, if you want to play the guitar, just because you can't play it the first time you pick it up, you're going to give up. Don't jump into it. Um, and so I think these are kind of the, the art is or RPG is literature values would, we're trying to push out there yeah i would cool. fight tooth and nail anyone who says that they aren't a writer and they don't and they and they shouldn't play it because you know what i never thought i was and i think the first thing i looked at when i saw that is um i never felt my creativity was channeled through music i never mm -hmm. felt like it was channeled through the word and that's um, storytelling though that's yeah. the same thing it's still storytelling but the book and when I read through it, and I told Jason the other day, is I'm I'm reading through it. I told you today, I'm reading through it for the second time, um, as a book, because even I, who didn't think they had a creative pen in them, can do it. And See, I believe all humans are storytellers. I I I, I mentor youth, um, BIPOC youth coming up through awesome. into corporate America who thought they didn't have the chance. And one of the, the one of the classes I teach them every year when I workshop them is know your story. Everyone has a story, and they end up crying or laughing because like, oh my god, I do have a good story, even though I'm 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And and so I think honestly, everybody out there, you all have stories to tell. Every single one of you has a story to tell. And hopefully this is just one tool, one means that you'll learn to, you know, tell your story. Yeah. I mean, plus what, what a great franchise to just tell stories in, right? Oh, yeah. Everything's, anything's possible. Everybody's accepted for who they are. And, and you, you just come as you are, you're, you'll fit right into the Star Trek family and right into the Star Trek universe. And you can tell literally any genre of story that you want, and somehow it will fit. Like if you watch 56 years worth of episodes, there's mysteries, there's murders, there's horror stories, there's romance, there's musicals, musicals, cartoon you, crossovers. Yeah, there's crossovers, there's <laughs> battle, there's like hardcore war drama, there's uh, you know PTSD. I mean, like any story that you can imagine, any genre yeah. off the shelf, you can find a way to bend it into Star Trek and make it work. And oh, uh, wow. and it's safe, right? It's safe. Like no one's going to tell you not to do it. I mean, so there's certainly going to be people that tell you, why are you doing it? But, you know, you can ignore them because it's, you know, it's safe. To but, do. and those fundamental principles that, that, yeah. you know, you guys have written about in, in Captain's Log and the GM guide and the player's guide, right? Of this is Trek, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what they do in Trek, those principles are always present, right? The, the diversity, the dignity, the knowledge, like no matter what, it always ends up back of, and we're going to be better people. Yeah. I tell you, Jason, I, I really I can't wait for your book to come out and, and to hit the mainstream uh, so, that, mm. so that Star Trek gamers can can read your book and then apply that to Captain's Log and to the stories that they're telling just I mean, just to see how it seeps in. Right. Like, you know, the conceit of Captain's Log is that you're playing a captain and you don't have to, but you could be. Uh, and then, you know, captains have a certain feel in Star Trek, like you I'm sure you've put it in your book. But like even departments, maybe you want to play the chief medical officer, you want to play the chief of engineer, chief engineer or something. All those principles that are in your book, I can't wait to find somebody who's taking your book and pairing it up with Captain's Log and then going forth and doing something amazing. I, I, in fact, I challenge, cool. I challenge somebody like one of our listeners, and one of our readers, go get Jason's book and read it and, and then apply something like, like, like find one nugget of gold out of that book 
and then apply it to a captain's log story that you're telling and then tell us about it like share oh, it. let us all know I could, oh it, you know and that's that's what's amazing though about this genre lower decks was my opportunity to take everything i know about hr policy and put it into a but literally it was i i took everything totally i knew about that. hr and those are the things about how to work your way up in in, in uh, for a promotion jim was laughing because he knew this he knows i have an hr background and he was just like this is totally reads like an hr manual like perfect then i did my job it was the, the it was so uh, we, it was like the only RPG book I've ever seen where we talked about career pathing. <laughs> I just to it, Jason so and I are always. I mean, there isn't a conversation where we aren't acerbic with each other in some way, shape, or form because that's because we love each other and we can do that. Yeah. Um, the yeah, I know, at least it's one way. Um, but the one thing where we've never joked. There are very few areas where we never joked. And the one area was when he was, yeah, I know it's going to be hard for you to remember, but it was when it was about this book, because I think the idea of oh. leadership, you know, we've had very serious conversations about this and oh, yeah. I am excited to read it because it's like I said before, something is missing in leadership. I did my MBA and did research. My MBA research was on um, Adelphia and Ron and Tycho where yeah. there was an absolute lack of, you know, any sort of ethical um, rudder. And we saw yeah. what happened and we're set to see it happen again. Yeah. We've been, we've been trying to figure out a way to actually bring this to Dyson mind, like to, and we just, we, we, we just haven't figured that out yet, but now I'm thinking maybe we're going to end up picking a Michael's brain later this week when, when you're on with us, but, but we've been trying to figure out, okay, who who's out there who could speak to this like what you know you talk about ethical business all the time brad and who how how could we do that in that somehow rpg adjacent to stay with the theme because this is we've been talking we just haven't figured it out yet we're still looking yeah oh i have a lot of ideas about that I'm Looks like we have, we, I've, I've yeah. gamified the subject at my work. We actually, I run gamification on cool. these subjects and we play through them. So interesting. To yeah. Sucks for the that. people who die after they find the gold, but. <laughs> hey, we expect, we, we project 20% turnover every three years anyway. So <laughs> it's all part of that risk oh. assessment. It's, it's like the Enron rank and yank. They, they, everyone ranks each other and the top, the bottom 10% were all just automatically wiped and fired. No, no. So, Our, ours is economic. I'm in the Bay Area, so we can blame it on economic factors. We figure people are going to be just pushed out and we can't control those factors. So, you know, oh, it's true. <laughs> oh that's, my that's my marketing spiel. Yeah, a, <laughs> looks like we say. have at least one topic to talk about when oh, yeah. joins us not that we would have any trouble anyway but expect we'll have more yeah man and of course jim will be coming back eventually for a six we just wanted to give you some breathing room yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well jim has like 50 other topics to talk about with all the releases oh. coming out but he, i'm sure he'll oh that's sure fine <laughs> yeah anytime you we'll, know that we'll, we'll sign an nda any day you want <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think we've got so much stuff we can talk about now that's that's Star Trek adjacent. Oh, um, I think yeah. we could probably we could probably finally do an episode that's not involving a, a shill for a new product. I think. <laughs> but we're to totally okay with the shilling stuff too. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I, mean, okay. I don't mind it, but uh, I just love talking to you guys. And uh, I, right I, back I, at you. The, the practicalities of it is it's not as freaking as we want it to be, but. Uh, um, I, I am grateful every time you keep inviting me back. It's like, okay, I'll find something. Else. I, I, will, I will sure we'll talk more Star Trek, more gaming, more more stuff. Yeah, that's good. you did an episode with us about uh, you gave us in effect a class on writing. 
Um, that was I wanted cool. to go back. Yeah. I, I remember coming out of that and, and thinking to myself, um, yeah, I, I could not have, I was trying to find it while I was looking, but I can't, but, um, just after we talked about that episode, just the, going through this writing, you kind of just alluded to it a little bit with strange new worlds when you were writing just that whole topic. It really wasn't even Trek focused. It was writing focused. Uh, episode 49, uh, May you. 9th of last year. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Why was that? Was that not, was it last year? Yeah. Yeah. May 9th that, of that, last year. That, that wasn't the most recent. That was just the one. Yeah. Our our first Star Trek Adventures episode where we talk about it is was literally our fifth episode. And we spent three episodes on it, mm. five, six, and seven. And then finally, I don't know where it was, Jim. You joined us. I think I want to say it was in the mid thirties or something like that. Yeah, we um, that that last time we when we had told you we, we we knew enough. We knew you well enough. We I had said to Brad, I'm like, okay, we know we're gonna go long. Mm-hmm. Let's just go all the way, and then we'll pull at least a couple episodes. Out of it. Well, well yeah. to that to that point, you've just stretched our shows till February second. Oh, no. Now, now oh, we have to no, 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 sorry, I don't mind. No, but this is, I'm splitting this one because now we're good till February second. I can like take a vacation. I'm good. <laughs> we may we may have to try to push Michael when he joins us, Jace, to make it a double episode too. We'll see. You'll find a way. We'll just yeah, we'll find a way. Mike, Michael talks as much as I do. I not do. as much as not as much as Jason. <laughs> I think we all do really good, but you know, it's nice. It's a shared. Con- it's like being around the t- table. I picture yeah, you know this, drinking this some beverages. Yeah. I picture the smoky room, yellow lighting, fireplace, and we just get de- you know we're the we're the modern scholars. I love it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. Well, so we've been at this for a little over two hours now, and I think oh um, man, you've uh, we we've probably it doesn't feel like it kept you you much longer than uh i mean not not that i didn't intend to keep you a long time but uh i'm I'm grateful that you you spent so much time with us and uh, we'll absolutely have you back on the show sometime here real soon guys Uh, thanks so much thank uh, you you've been yeah we were very honored to have you let you to for you to ask us so thank you so much and we're just we're grateful you accepted Oh yeah. yeah. Anytime. This is so much fun. And Michael, so nice to finally meet you. Exactly. Yes. No, this is great. I, I I have a feeling that after having this conversation with the two of you and Jim, that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to really pull out some deep subjects for our next ones. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so as tradition on our show, we always uh, end the show with gratitude uh, where we just uh, offer our thanks to whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're grateful for. And uh, Michael usually kicks us off and then we go to our guests and then I wrap it up. And then we uh, then we sign off. So, uh, Michael, what are you grateful for that you would like to share? Sure. Well, um, definitely to dice in mind, I'm going to talk today about the podcast or the streamers and the people who are putting it out there and making the game more accessible in different formats to different people. So definitely Brad Brown, Jason Kaufman for Dice in Mind. Um, people, again, pick them up on your podcast services, type in Dice in Mind or either their first name, Brad or Jason, they'll come up. I also want to uh, thank Really Dicey. I know that they're a big supporter of, of RPGs and talking about what's going on out there. Manny from Really Dicey. Um, I even think about uh, Geek Gamers. They actually did one of the books for solo RPG for Modifius. Um, mm-hmm. But but again, they go ahead and put some helpful videos out there on YouTube, um, along with Al Spader, who's been co- working in conjunction with Wanderers Haven Publications, showing people live play about how to do the game. So I could go on and on and on, because literally in the past two weeks, it seems like every day there's a new person showing something about the games. But I just got to give a shout out again to the to to this crowd of creators who are making RPG more accessible 
making people understand why it's important to have a creative outlet that's safe and have happy endings with the creative outlet. Um, not everything bloody, you know, every time we turn yeah. on the news, we see, we see a shooting or some act of violence and um, we've got to get in our homes and we got to be peaceful and we've got to invite mm -hmm. people to our peace. And I think mm -hmm. that all, everybody contributing in this space is doing that. So thank you to everybody who does that. Yeah. Good stuff, Michael. Uh, Brad, what are you grateful for? Oh, um, Honestly, you know, I said this early on, um, the whole community, and we were really introduced to that community through yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Um, yeah. Honestly, it was a great vehicle for us. And having to meet you both, having the opportunity to speak with you both, having the opportunity to speak to all the people that we've had on the show. Um, you know, we're in a, Jason, I don't talk politics, but I think we can all agree it's a really tough time out there in many, many, many ways. Um, and I think that this arena, if you watch people talk out there, 99% of them are beacons of light um, in, in a very, very dark world that we have now. So I, I know it's very broad, but I, I could go down the list of, of all the people who follow us, people we follow um, just the, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like I said, I'm going through a, a, a job search. I'm being very careful with what I do, but my time spent with the STA stuff or with the 3D6 stuff, that actually helps me um, keep a rudder in a very difficult time. So thank you all. And thank you all in the community, anyone who listens, um, keep doing what you're doing because there's going to be people out there that are going to, that are going to make us, um, you know, they're trying to feed the dark and you all are feeding the light. Mm. Powerful stuff, Brad. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Really well said, Brad. I'll piggyback off of that. Um, maybe th three quick things. First, thanks to both of you very much for having mm -hmm. us on. Um, this is, this is really lovely. A lot of fun. Um, and second, because, you know, this podcast continuing conversations is so much of a bigger footprint than we have. Um, vicariously through you guys being on here, um, just to piggy off of what you, Brad, piggy up back off of what you said, Brad. Um, seriously, thank you to every individual who has spent time with us on Dyson Mind. Uh, we, I mean, we always thank you, we, and we really mean it. But, um, but more people, we want to know. They, they, we want them to know. Like, we really appreciate it. It's, it's such a neat, supportive, healthy positive forward community and and third uh last but maybe not least um man to the people this is this is really kitschy but to the people who are writing and directing star trek right as we i mean we i, I don't care what people say we are still in a golden age of star trek and what we see on tv do we still say that what we see on tv now with the current and recent Trek show, Strange New Worlds, and Picard, and Prodigy, and Lower Decks, and and Discovery. Really curious about the last season. The this is an antidote to bigotry, and it's an antidote to bigotry. And they're literally teaching us and showing us how to do it in trying times. They've, I mean, how do you write that stuff? how how it's amazing so i just you know thank you to them i mean star trek has always been a guiding light in my life but i think society now needs it 
even more than it did in the 60s and they are delivering and then some well said jim take us out wow you all are you all are <laughs> i'm gonna just end up echoing everything you all just said uh because you know i i've talked about it at length on on our show and also i, I think we've touched on it a couple of times on dyson mind where um you know it's five six seven years ago the world was pretty dark and it got really dark for me for a long time and and the one thing the like other than my family the one thing i had to focus on was star trek and star trek adventures and it was my it was my beacon it was my light through all that all that darkness and the 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 working on this game gave me the ability to reach out to so many people within the family the extended star trek family whether it's fans writers actors directors production people etc like like that whole community and, and they're so amazing this collective community i think we talked about it during this show how how amazing they are to, to talk to and work with and how they're all on the kind of like the same vibe and wavelength of progressiveness and positivity and and just working together and you know reaching down and lifting up as opposed to pushing down and pushing away and um I just I, I thank everybody for that kind of stuff like that. All the guests we've had on the show, I'm grateful for uh, all the people that have invited me to podcasts or, or to interviews or whatever. That's just amazing. I'm I'm just humbled every day that people even bother to <laughs> reach out. Um, but it's uh, it's just an amazing community, uh, not just Star Trek Adventures, but like Star Trek in general as a whole. And so I'm grateful for all of that. And I, I'm grateful for for for, you know, Brad and Jason, for you doing your show for 100 episodes now with more to come and everybody like you who are also doing their shows mm -hmm. and are either at your level or below or above like wherever you are um i i would say just like you know keep doing your show even if you think you've only got like 30 subscribers or like 100 views or i mean whatever the numbers are who cares what the numbers are there are people watching and, and people are being moved by what you're doing and they care and they're coming back and and you're making a difference so keep doing what you're doing keep being passionate about what you're being what you're passionate about and keep sharing that passion because it's it's people are seeing it people are noticing it and uh and i, I want to see more of it because that's that's I'm, I'm i'm one of your biggest fans right not just you guys but just in general um keep keep doing it and keep sharing the love and uh and we'll keep working collectively to do our best to make our little pieces of the world's you know a little bit better maybe and uh and we'll see we'll see where that goes so there's a lot of healthy content out there my the other day my wife's like is it this the same one you listened to the other day i went amazingly not there's just a lot of stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> so keep it up <laughs> every time she gets in the car i'm listening to a different podcast about <laughs> something star trek yeah cool all right well Great we want more that. of it idic live long and prosper be safe be well and we'll talk to you all again real soon <laughs>